Maths podcast with me, Craig Barton. I'm recording this episode on the 22nd of March 2020, which is the weekend before essentially schools across the UK close for all students apart from vulnerable students and the students of key workers. And that situation is certainly completely new in my lifetime and for the vast majority of people listening to this uh, podcast, this widespread closure of schools. And it throws up a hell of a load of challenges. Not least, of course, how do we teach students who are no longer in front of us? This is a completely new situation for teachers, many, many, many teachers, and a completely new situation for the students themselves. And there are so many issues to consider. So I was absolutely delighted to be contacted by email uh, by Oliver Bowles, who teaches in Toulouse, uh, International School in France. And schools in France have been closed for a week now. The France is a week ahead of us in terms of, in terms of the reaction um, to this, uh, in particular with, with school closures. Um, and Ollie essentially offered the services of himself and his colleagues, Jim Noble and Richard Wade, um, because they've been through it. They, they've been through this online learning for a week and they've, they've found things that worked and found things that hadn't worked and they offered to give up their time to share their experiences with listeners. And I jumped on that. I jumped on the, the opportunity because I, I know from Twitter, I know from conversations with colleagues that there's just so much uncertainty and schools are trying lots of different things out, but without that, that knowledge of, of what's likely to work and what isn't likely to work. And we all know that we benefit from experience, so I thought it would be a useful idea to, to ask some of the questions that you wanted to ask to teachers who've been through this for a week. And believe me, I am flipping pleased that I did it because it turned into an absolutely fascinating conversation. So see, these are some of the things that we discussed. So first, what, what's the technical setup? What, 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 do you, what do teachers have in their homes to make this work? And what do students have in their homes? Now, I should say that the, the, the school that Ollie, Rich and Jim are from, um, as they freely admit themselves, they are well kitted out in terms of technology. All the kids have a laptop. Um, but we talk about ways to make this work when that's simply not practical, when students have just got essentially access to a screen, pen and paper, and so on and so forth. We also discuss um, the pros and cons of the three big solutions that are being proposed to this in terms of communicating with kids, which tend to be Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, sorry, Google Hangouts, and Zoom. And Ollie, in particular, throws up some some things that I'd not considered pros and cons of each of those platforms. Then we start talking about the messaging we give to students. How do we keep them engaged and motivated and taking this seriously? And and how do things like behaviour management work? And then what about content? How do you decide what to teach? Um, do you need to change your, the order of your scheme of work? Or are some maths topics easier to, to teach than others? And if you're a teacher from another subject, don't worry, and because we, we touch upon, how about other subjects? Are, are, is maths lucky that it's easier to deliver in this way than perhaps something like English or history? 
Um, and then the big question, the most popular question when I threw this out on Twitter was um, how do you assess monitoring feedback both during and after the lesson? Because that throws up a whole, a whole load of complications because you can no longer just wander over to a kid's desk and, and speak to them and have a conversation. So how does that work? And then we go deep about how does this feel? How does it feel teaching in this way, both for students and teachers? And there are issues of well-being, exercise, um, so being social that come into this, and it's fascinating. And then to end with, what are the key things that Ollie, Jim, and Richard have learned in this week? What what do they wish they knew at the start of the week that they that they know now? Now, as a warning, we, we go off all over the show in this conversation. It's always interesting when you have three guests. Um, I budgeted 90 minutes for this. I promised my wife 90 minutes. Needless to say, that didn't happen because, again, it's such an uncertain time. And what, what's great about Ollie, uh, Jim and Richard is they, they have different views on things. And we, and we get into that. And also, Ollie, Ollie loves a tangent, as, you, as you'll listen, in a great way. We're talking Airbus gets a mention, um, boxing gets gets a mention we're all over the show with different with different aspects of this but it's um yeah i found it an absolutely riveting conversation and um, it's definitely worth checking out the show notes we mentioned lots of things um throughout this conversation and i'll put links to as many of them as i can remember and that jim rich and ollie send across to me in the show notes i i suspect it'll be constantly updated as as people say well where does this come from and so on and so forth so keep checking checking back to that and also i should use this opportunity to say that i've put together Together, I've been trying to think what can I do to help I'm, I'm on a I'm on a sabbatical from from my school at the moment so I, I don't have regular lessons there so I'm trying to think what can I do for the for the wider community to, to help out so uh, you may have seen earlier in the week I put together a collection of online resources that, that um, teachers might find useful all completely free and there's a link to those in the show notes and then also, um, I've been recording a series of Beat the Nation videos using data from diagnostic questions that can be set as essentially online lessons. It's just me chatting away, but I present students with three badly answered questions from my diagnostic questions site, and I set five challenges. And let's see if I can remember these five challenges. Uh, can you get the questions right? What do you reckon the worst answered of the three questions is? Uh, can you identify the most popular choice of student wrong answer? Can you guess the misconception for each of the questions? Can you predict why a student might get these questions wrong? And then the big one, how would you help them? If you were sat next to a child who'd got this misconception, how would you help them understand not only that you're right, but that, that they are wrong? Um, and it just uh, the reason I record these is I just thought it might be a slightly different mathematics lesson activity than let's say, for example, when there's nothing wrong with this, but doing Hegarty or Corbett or Dr. Frost and so on and so forth. So there's links to my Beat the Nation videos and the collection of online resources um, in the show notes, along with all the uh, links that Ollie, Jim and Richard mention. Um, there's no takeaway for me at the end of this episode. And um, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I, I just want to get back to my family as, as, as soon as possible in, in this tricky time. So I hope you'll um, understand that. But believe me, whoo, there are plenty of takeaways throughout the two hours. Um, I'm going to, uh, just before I wrap things up, just to say, I'm going to continue putting out episodes of this, this podcast that I've pre-recorded. I've got some absolute crackers. I've got one with Mark Healy on kind of whole school um, CPD. And I've got one with Robert Kaplinsky, uh, the teacher from the US about open middle problems. Um, just because uh, I, I appreciate that teachers may want a bit of normality in their lives, as normal as listening to me chat for two or three hours can be. Uh, but also because, again, it's what, what I love about these podcasts is that teachers find them good for CPD on the move remotely. And that's what this this kind of time is, time is all about. So 
hope I hope that's the right decision continuing to, to put these podcasts out and of course you can choose not to listen and um, well at any stage or, or maybe not to listen until uh, this thing all gets sorted out whenever whenever that may be um, and anyway final thing I just wanted to say is just yeah just just take care of yourselves it's it's an unprecedented time it's it's a tricky time and it's one of those things where we all have to work together but work together in a way where we actually don't see each other and it's it's bloody hard but um yeah hopefully we'll hopefully we'll all get through it so you just take care of yourselves you stay safe and i hope this conversation is one that you find enjoyable and ultimately useful take care bye for now So, in a thirst for the Mr. Barton Maths podcast, I'm joined not by one guest, not by two guests, but by three guests. And once again, we're going a bit global here. So I'm sat in sunny Blackburn um, in the northwest of England, but we are going across the channel to Toulouse in France, where I am joined by Ollie, Richard and Jim. So what I'm going to do to start off with is just to give a bit of background context for the listeners. I'm going to come to you, Ollie, first. Can you just give a bit of, bit of background about yourself and your career and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, I teach mathematics. Uh, I'm still a teacher today. Um, and so I started off in the UK. I was at a school uh, for two years that was A star to C was very low, um, which was an interesting experience. Um, and uh, during that time, we were very well equipped technologically. I realized for me that was the future of teaching because it's all about information. And so my next move, I wanted to go to a school that had lots of tech uh, and that brought me to and so my background, I'm uh, French-British nationality. My mother's French-Italian, my, my father's uh, English. And um, so, and then I married a, a French lady as well. So New Zealand and France were places we were looking to go to. And there was a fantastic tech school that had had laptops uh, per child uh, since 1999. And it was right next to my wife's home city, Toulouse. So uh, that's where I headed and been very happy with the choice ever since. And and I think that prediction that tech is the future has proved true whilst without any shadow of a doubt, hands on face to face relationships. Super important. Fantastic. Superb. How about yourself, Jim? Uh, so I'm English, uh, but I had a fairly nomadic childhood, um, a little stint in Canada and Australia. And we, we moved around quite a lot as a family. So lots of different schools. I had a, a love-hate relationship with maths as a student, um, some successes and some failures. And, and I kind of fell into maths teaching as a, you know, what, what else are you going to do thing? Um, but I feel very lucky about it because 20 plus years in, I can't imagine having landed in a profession that gave me so much uh, pleasure and so much fulfillment. So it's been a, a, a real good call. Um, Toulouse was supposed to be the first stop on around the world tour. Uh, 16 years later, we're still here. Um, uh, but for the reasons Ollie said, it was very appealing as a school um, and in the way it was set up and, and in the, the way it promoted the use of technology. Um, we got a very low, low staff turnover uh, for, for lots of reasons. Um, the four of us have been to the three of us, for example, have been together for the last 14 years as a wow. department. So, um, but yeah, that's me. Fantastic. And how about yourself, Rich? Um, well, like yourself, Craig, I was uh, I was born in Preston. Of course, uh, we have this connection. That's right. And, and I think from a previous uh, conversation, we meet, might even have been born in the same village. I think so. Yeah, Longton, we were. We that's were, yeah, right. That's absolutely right. Nice. 
But I've been away from the Northwest for quite a while, so my accent sounds a little bit different than yours now, Craig. Um, but I started my teaching career on the Wirral, and then I uh, wanted an international experience. So I moved to Madrid, which was great fun. Um, I moved back to the UK for a couple of years, and then I decided I wanted to live in France. Um, so I, I've got a French wife. Um, I am British, but I've become a, a French citizen now. And I moved to Toulouse in 2001 um, to the International School of Toulouse. And that was really one of the things that attracted me to Toulouse in itself, which the school, as Ollie mentioned, it's really, it was at the time really technologically advanced and all the students already had their own laptops. And, you know, kind of this helped me really develop an interest in using tech with students to gain a, a deeper understanding of maths. Um, and like Jim said, we've been, we've been together for a while now. We've made a good team. Um, we spend a lot of time thinking and, well, actually arguing about lessons, <laughs> and uh, it, it seems to work quite well for us. Fantastic. And I'll tell you what, Rich, whilst I've got you on the line, um, just tell us, give us a bit of context about the school. So it's it's an international school. Can you give us the um, the kind of age ranges the and, and kind of how popular is maths as a subject across the school? Well, let, let's start with popularity. So maths is extremely popular now since the last 14 <laughs> years in the, in the school. <laughs> Um, we're um, we're a school that goes from uh, three years of age all the way up to 18, but we are secondary maths teachers, so we're 11 to 18, um, and kind of the so Toulouse is an important city in France because it's one of the main Airbus sites. So the uh, airplane manufacturer, one of their big sites or several of their big sites, is here. And uh, back in 1999, they decided that they really needed an international school to deal with the expat community. So at the time, there were lots and lots of Brits here. Uh, but since that's changed, we're, there's, there's still a lot of British students and families, but more and more Spanish, uh, obviously German and French, but also from all around the world. And it's, it makes it really interesting and lively pace to, to work. Fantastic. Superb. Um, Jim, let, let me come to you just on this before we, we dive into the technicalities. Now, we're, we're recording this on the 22nd of March on a, on a Sunday afternoon. And obviously we're in, well, possibly, most frighteningly, we're in, we're in the early stages of, of the virus outbreak. Um, I just wonder, uh, Jim, can you just paint us a bit of a picture of, of the reaction to the virus in France, just kind of generally as, as a society, but also in particular in terms of education? Um, when did it start getting scary? When did the schools close? What are some of the measures that are in place? Just just to paint the picture. Yeah. OK. So I think, you know, we were all watching the news from from the from the turn of the year, really, when it started to kick off in China. Um, but I don't think it really dawned on any of us until we came back. We have a, a two week holiday in February. One of the things we love about working here. Um, and when we came back, there was a there was a clear governmental issue that, that people that had been away to areas like um, China and Italy and others were asked to stay at home for, for two weeks. And we it was kind of very real all of a sudden. We thought, oh, wow, yes, I suppose that makes sense. Um, and I think we all started to pay a little bit more attention to it from that moment onwards. And that was the first moment we started to think about how we might manage with that situation. You know, Rich was the first one to, to use Microsoft Teams in the school to dial in a student to, to one of his lessons. Um, and then 
you know, we were getting messages from our management saying, hey, listen, you know, who knows, but we we better start getting prepared. And we, we think that if it happens, we won't get much notice because it'll happen quickly. Um, I use uh, I use a video. There's a video on the Internet called the most important video you'll ever see. It's by a university professor in Colorado. Um, who argues that the biggest single failing of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. Um, and I think that's played out pretty severely over the last two or three weeks because it escalated so fast. Um, you know, we were I was at a choir rehearsal one note when the, the message came through that the, the president of the republic had addressed the nation and told us that he was going to close the schools. Um, and it suddenly felt very, very real. Uh, it suddenly became a, the main topic of conversation um, amongst all students and teachers and friends and family and neighbours uh, and very real. And we realised that uh, this thing that had been a possibility was, was going to come to reality. We were going to have to run a virtual school. Uh, and we had about 36 hours notice. Um, so, yeah, very quickly. It all, it all crept up on us very quickly. Wow. Flipping out 36 hours. Jeez. Right. Well, I've, I've got an absolute ton of questions and loads have come in from Twitter um, for you on this. So let, let me come to you first, Ollie. Um, I'm interested just in the technical side of, of things here. Um, and again, go as detailed as you can with this one. Um, first off, if you're doing um, remote teaching and we'll dive into exactly what that looks like um, a little later on. But what's your setup um, in terms of uh, at home? What, 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 what kit are you using? What hardware? What software? Can you just talk us through that, Ollie, please? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just backtrack. Sorry, Craig, if I may, mm, just course. one brief second, because otherwise I think I'll forget to mention it. Uh, and I think at this time in particular, it's super important. Rich mentioned uh, where you know, Toulouse is the home of Airbus, and um, I have full respect for different people's views. So obviously, you know, there's been the, the European Union and that, that big issue, Brexit, in the UK. Um, so politically, you know, I don't have a view to say on that. Um, but I think this this current COVID-19 highlights, again, international cooperation. Um, and I, I think it's a great shame that in the newspapers, it's not on the front page every day, these amazing international cooperation initiatives. Um, then I just want to mention three. Um, so there's Airbus. You know, it's our, with Boeing, they keep overtaking each other as the the world's largest aircraft manufacturer and behind them I mean there's a long gap between the next person uh, and that wouldn't be possible without European cooperation that we've seen and it started with British Aerospace ages ago it was a, you know, Airbus was a subsidiary of that originally and that grew out um, currently there's ALMA in the Chilean 4,000 meter high up it's 60 different satellites a project between again Europe the United States Japan where we've all agreed to share copyright and, and intellectual knowledge and it's listening into space deep space um, and when, today when we know how irrelevant we are in the context of the size of the universe you know that's awesome that we're, we're doing that um, there's currently in Avignon so following two billion euros of funding in Oxford all put into Oxford in the UK for the Toma, Tokamak, which was looking into fusion energy, where, and uh, please, listeners, feel free to correct me, and apologies for any errors, but they, I think, as I understand it, theoretically, um, to create energy like they do on the sun, which is uh, renewable and has a very abundant energy source on, on Earth so that we feel confident it's unlikely to run out uh, for, you know, for maybe a million years. Um, 
they solved the main theoretical problems, which is how to harness that energy, because the sun explodes with enormous amounts of energy. And what's really difficult is harnessing it. Um, and so they, they think they've solved that sufficiently to convince India, the US, um, Russia, China, United, uh, European Union again to 49% of the funding. Um, and I'm missing off two other countries, um, Japan again, uh, to invest 10 billion in France, where they're currently building, they spent two years, they built the foundations, a real life working fusion energy plant. Um, that if it works, and the, you know that's a 10 to 20 year timeline, and there's loads of problems, and I, I, you know I, I'm certainly not the person qualified to talk about that. There's fantastic uh, TED talks about it, um, but you know that that will save our energy problems and totally flip the current discussion around climate change on its head. Uh, and so I just at this time where. You know, I'm in a WhatsApp group with my friends from university. <laughs> big, <laughs> big hand up to all of them. Um, it was happening in Italy. France looked at Italy and said, "Yeah, no, you know, it won't. You know, they're, they're probably managing it a bit badly. Unlikely to happen to that extent here." Uh, and it did. And then, you know, I was a bit of banter on WhatsApp with friends, and there, there was a slight undercurrent. Um, this is my interpretation. If they're listening, I'm not saying that's a fact. Uh, it's like undercurrent that I was French, you know, they're overreacting. Uh, and I think it highlights we need to listen to each other more across countries, have more respect. And, and in, in the newspapers needs to be a lot more of those amazing international projects. Uh, just highlight them again. ITER in France, fusion energy reactor, 10 billion. Alma, uh, large satellites, 60 of them. They had to wear oxygen masks for people that made them because it's at 4,000 meters, so the oxygen wasn't enough for doing all that hard, heavy lifting and, uh, and manufacture. Um, the Tokamak in Oxford, 2 billion of European funding, uh, and Airbus. So, you know, uh, I think at this time that's really relevant and inspiring for students to see it. And newspapers, if you're listening, why aren't you putting that in the paper at least once a week? So sorry, I get back to the technical. <laughs> oh, that's nice. I like it. I like it. Oh, fantastic. No, very important, uh, particularly in the in the wider context of this. Holly, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, go on then. Get get talk me through this technical setup. What, what, what's so, it look like for you at home? Yeah. So um, there's loads of options in there, and I think that's the probably the most confusing thing for teachers this mm. weekend trying to get busy. Uh, yes, it's hectic, uh, and I imagine you're going to be knackered by the end of this week. Our setup. We uh, the school went for Microsoft Teams. Um, because we have Microsoft 365 online. It's not free. You have to have Microsoft 365, uh, as far as I understand. Um, it works quite well. Uh, one difficulty with it, uh, personally, I, I found it was all fine. Our, our students are very respectful so far online, um, is that I can't mute a student. So I, I can mute them, but they can unmute themselves. Because And that's the same with Google Hangouts and Hangout Meet, as far as I've been able to work out so far. And um, because they're designed for adult teaming, really, and I'm, I'm sure they'll make some modifications in the coming weeks, because I think it's likely to continue. Um, you, you, if I, I can mute them, but the, the, the user can unmute themselves. Uh, so that was fine. But then I just had one class this week where someone was being silly, uh, and so Zoom, an, another option, which we've used for staff meetings, um, is great because you can mute students and they can't unmute themselves and you, you can turn off their camera and they can't turn it back on. So that might be something to consider. Um, and then at our setup, we use a system called ManageBack and Moodle. Moodle, I'm sure many are aware of, um, but mainly ManageBack. So what's that is basically a homework reporting system. I know there's loads of options for that. And we set work there. 
and we follow the normal school timetable just as if we're in school and so people log on when it's their lesson time and we meet them um but there's a very wide range as i'm sure we'll touch on as we go through uh of um ways of managing that process so some people set set work and some subjects it suits better they set work there they just start off the conversation and maybe after five minutes they're not there and they use that lesson time to mark the work that's produced during that lesson time and give feedback rather than actually be on the call math and science i think we find it's helpful to be there um uh, to be answering questions because perhaps there's more room to get stuck and, and not be sure how to proceed and then at home i have this mic that i'm currently wearing a headset because i find it's very clear i use i've used google hangouts with my older students because compared to teams, and I'm sure this is a setup thing, but uh, none of us have taken the time yet, as far as I'm aware, to look into it. In, in Hangouts, I've got all the um, little thumbnails of all my students on the bottom of the screen in a nice thin line. So they can see my big shared screen because I'm sharing my screen with them to work through a problem, say, or a common misconception. Uh, and on the bottom, I can see all of their faces in the thumbnails, whereas when I'm in teams, I, ca I can only see four of them. They're taking up a quarter of my screen, um, uh, and I find that not as useful. Uh, the advantage of teams that I found so far um, is I can set up classes well in advance, and so all they have to do is, is open that class, and I just call on that class, and they know I'm contacting them. Um, I've not looked in. If you have Google Classroom, I think you can do that too. Um, but for Zoom, uh, I'm not sure I've been able to set up classes. You can schedule the meeting and then put those meeting, it's a URL in every lesson, like on your uh, school system. So they just have to click on it and join. And there's a quick download they have to do. So they need admin rights to download the extension. Um, but that's run smoothly for us so far. Uh, when we have used that option but i do like in teams and i think you can do it in google classroom that you can set up the classes beforehand and just call um. that's it's fascinating Ali, because they in my limited experience they seem to be the big three that people are talking about teams um google hangout uh, so microsoft teams google hangouts and, and zoom they really interesting point you made there about the zoom being the only one where you can essentially take the role of the teacher it's not kind of equal rights for everybody when they chip in and turn their cameras on it'd be interesting if microsoft and, and google do get onto that as you say as, as this progresses further that's fascinating that that ollie can i can i just come to jim on this um, and, and again feel free to come back in ollie um, and yeah. how are you um, how are you actually writing the the, the solutions and the teaching and, and so on and so so how's that appearing on the kids screens is that a tablet is it an ipad what what's the set is it a, a scanner what what's what's the setup for that yeah okay so actually it's interesting that you came to me because i think rich and ollie have done a lot more live teaching this week than i have um and so i'm using a lot of pre-prepared stuff uh, and examples pre-prepared examples that i can send rather than trying to talk them through at the same time. So, uh, I mean, I, I mean, to answer your question, I've got a little um, I'm a Mac user at home. We're all PCs at school. But uh, as I've got older, I struggle with a smaller laptop screen. So I'm using my big 27 inch Mac at home um, and, uh, and I've got a tablet to draw on that with. And I use a lot of keynote presentations to make the slides and, and, and things that I share, preparing little video explanations and things. Um, and so I'm probably gone for a slightly more asynchronous approach um than 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 ollie and rich we, we had a good chat about this yesterday um but still using the same teams i'm just the same tools just not doing it live 
That's inter- That's interesting. That. So when you say you're using kind of pre-prepared stuff, are we talking kind of pre-prepared? Well, PowerPoint slash keynotes that you're you're clicking through, or is it you've got um, kind of ready-made work solutions that you've done in, in in their entirety and you project upon the screen? What what, what does this pre-prepared material look like in, in particular, Jim? So, uh, I mean, if I just sort of take my IB classes, I've, you know, over the years, I've got quite a big bank of videos that I've put together, video explanations uh, and uh, and pre-prepared slides that I've made, you know, like a lot of teachers, really, um, that I can that I can share really easily. You can even you can even sort of chuck them into the chat on Microsoft Teams in response to a particular question and refer to them uh, particularly or or I can do it just sort of on the spot, you know, you, you can make some images pretty quickly, especially if you're not sort of trying to conduct a live lesson at that particular time. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're largely slides or, or videos or things that I've got at my fingertips. Fascinating. And Rich, let me come to you then. So, so Jim's hinted there that you're you're taking a more of the live teaching approach. Can, can you just talk us through that? Yeah, well, I think one of the, the key decisions for me about that was that um, I had this image of all the students from our school in bedrooms on their own uh, and just being set work for the whole day, for the whole week. And I just had this feeling that that was going to be quite sad and quite lonely. So I, I initially really wanted to uh, keep the contact with them. So, you know, we, as Ollie said, we've kept the school timetable and they will check into a lesson with me at the normal time. And I'm basically video conferencing with them so they can see my face or I can project my screen and uh, we can talk together, we can we can chat. And um, I just felt that was really important at the start that we still had this community that was getting together, maybe not physically, but virtually. And, you know, we could talk to each other. Um, and I think one of the key things that I'm, I'm talking to the students about is then more than ever than I would do in a maths lesson would be about their their well-being and you know how are they feeling and how are they getting away from the screen and 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 what are they what are they doing when they get out in the garden and just just little things um but in terms of how it works for me i i've got a a a laptop in which i can write on the screen um and so especially with the older students we use OneNote, um and i can write on the screen and they can see that and and they have the same setup the older students so I can see that in inverse um, and, and that seems to quite work, work quite well uh, with the younger ones. Maybe I'm starting the lesson with a short explanation. We get together and then I'll set them something to do. And then, you know, it'll go quiet as they're going getting along with that. And I'll just uh, I'll mute myself and they'll all be muted and just um, the, the, they can come back and ask me questions about things if, the, if they get stuck. It's, it's absolutely fascinating me this rich um, again just just to go really kind of specific on the on the technicality of this how are the kids how are the kids asking you things is that are they just kind of typing questions in or do they kind of chip in with, with their voice how, how does that side of it work i'm i'm going for voice so they, they'll just unmute each themselves and they say mr wade can you just help me out with this and then we just ha- have a chat so That's we it. can do that publicly or or i think Jim has, has been using more the, the chat with text and he's, he said he's been kind of um, chatting with audio uh, individually more with students. 
That's, um, that's interesting that and just just one other point that i wanted to make later but now seems like a, a smart time um and i'll come to you again richard just on this one um i saw um a, a conversation on twitter going on that during these so-called live lessons or this, the, these online lessons uh, actually it's it's there was a debate whether it's a good idea to have the teacher's face kind of visible at all times or whether it should be just focusing on the the, the lesson whether it's the the live modeling or the the image that you're projecting or the solutions or, or whatever um where do you stand on that is it is it is your face visible throughout or is it just when you're speaking how does that work and what what's the reason behind your decision um so i i, I don't have the technology to, i don't think to do both uh, but what I will do is I'll, I'll start the lesson with them seeing me um, and, 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 I, and I'll talk. And then when I feel it's appropriate to, to project my screen, I'll show them that. At which point I, d I don't think they can see me. Um, um, and, and, and that works for me. And I, and, and I think it's right. I, I agree with this feeling that um, there's something extra if the student can see their own teacher on a screen. I think that's a, that's a, there's a lot of power in that. Um, so, yeah, I think it, I think that's important. And there's just some sort of normality about them being able to see me uh, that they would normally do in a, in a lesson. Yes. I'll just add to that if I can. I taught a live lesson on Friday morning with some of my older students and I had no idea how much I had missed using my hands to teach. Yes. <laughs> just to be able to make some gestures uh, uh, and and sort of give that sort of facial intonation to the things that you're saying. I, it wasn't until I actually did it that I realized how much I'd missed it for the rest of the week. Did, did you find a workaround for, for that, Jim? Because that, that's something, even, even if I do a, a video for YouTube, um, I found it a flipping nightmare there because even just like the practicalities of pointing to what you want them kind of thinking at at, at, at the time, you have to kind of switch pen, put highlighter on, cursor and all that. Did, did, you, did you find a workaround as the week progressed? Well, I think that in that particular lesson, we did. A, I wanted to do uh, the, you know, the max box example, you know, where you cut a corner out of each square to make a box, and you've got to try and figure out which size square makes the biggest volume. Uh, and I just wanted to, to to see how much I could replicate what I would do if we were all in the same room. And so I was doing it on Zoom, uh, and and everybody was making their boxes at the same time and holding them up to the screen, and we were seeing each other's work and we were commenting on what each other had done and the differences and what making conjectures about how that would go. And so it, it, it wasn't so much a workaround to the video problem because that's, that's not live, is it? Because I think your facial expressions and your intonation are often reactions to what you're seeing in your students. Yes. Uh, and so it, it depends very much on it, it being live. And I, I think you probably can't really replicate that in the same way um, while you're making sort of pre prepackaged video explanations and things. That's fascinating. Um, Ollie, let me come to you. First off, if there's anything you want to add um, about your setup or build on anything that, that Rich and Jim have spoken about. But also, I'm just interested if you could just go into the specifics about your kids' setups. What 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 tech do they have with them? Yeah. OK, so I just um, finish off something I'd add to what Jim and Rich said, because it came up. You mentioned about the face. So I, I was experimenting more this week with the different options, Zoom, Hangouts, Teams, etc. Um, and I found I really like sharing screens. You have the option to share your whole desktop. So it will show everything that's on your computer and share that with the students. Or you can just share uh, an open window. And so uh, we use OneNote a lot, uh, particularly with older students. So just in case, I know loads of people will be aware of it, but just in case. So OneNote... What's fantastic is you set up a class 
all your students have a tab uh, with all their work in it uh, and you can all see each other's work all the time and the syncing is amazing like the speed it's really live um, and then I have a page like for the lesson uh, and all the notes and so I shared just that window with them uh, and I didn't this week I was sharing the whole desktop uh, and, and there was problems that arose so, so I, I did some double checking this weekend and, and next week I'll be definitely sharing just the window because the advantages were um, I can then have two-thirds of my screen as my and I tested it luckily my daughter's at the same school so I could look at her screen at the same time to check what was happening um, I had two-thirds of my screen uh, that was presenting to the class uh, and that fills uh, pretty much all of their screen and and then in the, the remaining third I had the chat open so that as they ask any questions I can see it um, because at one point, by accident, in the lesson with my like final year students for A levels IB, um, I'd accidentally knocked the mute button on my uh, computer, so I couldn't hear them. Uh, but because I was sharing the whole desktop, I, I, I didn't see that that had happened. They were trying to tell me. I couldn't see them trying to tell me. Uh, and, and following that, I thought, OK, this weekend I need to sort that out. So now I just that, that's going to work really well. And I've tested it. I, so two thirds of the screen will be me sharing. A third will be chat open all the time so I can see them. And, and what I noticed that with Google Hangout Meet, I was because uh, I don't know if everyone's aware as well, just to. Uh, you know, say more rather than not enough, so it leads to confusion. Um, there's Hangouts, which is directly from your email, really fast, and now they've got Hangout Meet. Um, and uh, the advantage with that is it, it showed me and my screen. So it looked like my, my daughter had a little thumbnail of my face as I was with my video camera on, which I could turn off if I wanted to. Feel, and she could also see my screen. So that was kind of like getting both. So that's the other thing I'd just add there. That's and you can also turn on subtitles in, in, in Hangout Meet. They've got instant subtitles. Uh, so I, I, I found, uh, so that means, you know, if you're teaching uh, lots of students with English as an additional language, um, so that could be really helpful. And, and we do, we have like 70%, maybe, uh, maybe more, maybe a little less uh, English as additional language in our school. So that might be helpful. That's fascinating. And just on that, Ollie, just before I, I come back to you about your kids set up, just a quick question for all three of you here. And I'll start with you, Ollie. Now you've kind of played around with these. I guess we've got we've got two two factors at play. We've got the actual software or program that's going to communicate your your screen to kids. And again, we've got the big three. We've got Microsoft Teams. We've got um, Google Hangouts or Hangout Meet. Um, and we've got Zoom and then we've got the what is actually on the screen. And it, it seems like OneNote is, is, is your preferred choice. Sir, Ollie. Can you just give me is it, now you've played around with this and tried out what, what's the ideal combo for you? Is it is it meets combined with OneNote for you, Ollie? And then the same question to, to, to Jim and Richard. What, what's the combo that you think works the best? Uh, great question. So uh, my initial thoughts, which will open to fluctuation as more data comes in following <laughs> this week's lessons, uh, is I, I, I think I will try using Zoom with younger classes this week. My concern uh, is we set up Microsoft Teams at school where, you know, the school was good in being pre-prepared, you know, suspecting we'd get closed. So two weeks before we were even more, actually, we were starting to talk as a staff and prepare students make sure they had teams downloaded make sure it was all working for them trialing it in class uh, before we we went on lockdown if you like or quarantine um so 
they've all got that. And my slight concern with using Zoom, even though I think it's a better option right now for students because I can control their mics. Um, uh, and incidentally, just as a little aside, I, I ask younger students because from trials in class when we were all together face to face preparing, you know, they're, they're young. There's so much fun you can have. Is it, The temptation was too great sometimes. <laughs> so I said that when we go on quarantine, if it happens, when it happens, um, I said, you no one is putting on their mics and no one is putting on their camera unless I say specifically your name and please put on your mic or camera um, because I didn't want them um, uh, distracting others during our lesson time. Um, but I, I said, but I will make the chat public and you can all contribute there. And, and so that's just a little aside there and, and you know, different things. Um, and so, so I would, I would like to use Zoom now with the younger classes because, you know, managing that freedom is a bit harder for them and knowing when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate can sometimes be a bit harder. Uh, but my concern is a, they have to download it. So I need to do a test. It looks like it was fine because Jim did it zoom with grade 12. So that looks like it's fine. Um, because it depends on the admin rights you have on your computer too. Um, you know, can you download little bits of software like that? Uh, so, but I think that'll be fine because Jim tested. So I imagine that'd be fine. And I just have a slight concern. Will they start getting confused? Oh, it's zoom with this teacher. It's teams with that teacher. It's hangouts yes. with them. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm going to try Zoom, uh, uh, and if it works really well, I would like to stick with it because I can mute them, because I can control their uh, video cameras, and, and they can't undo it. Um, but if I find that causes lots of confusion, I'll go back to Teams. And the second thing is, because in Teams I've set the classes up already, I think that's easy. So in Zoom, I haven't seen that I can set up a group uh, and then just call the group it's more I, I generate a URL and I share the URL on whatever system, school system we have for sharing the lesson content. Um, so uh, we're using a Google Doc. Uh, Jim started that with his classes years, a couple, three, four, he'll tell you, years ago. Um, uh, and that's I found that super helpful in, in this period. So one Google Doc per class that tells them everything they need to know. So all they need is the link to that Google Doc and they will know everything they need to know for my lessons from now until lockdown finishes. So I think Zoom and have to see how that goes. Fantastic. So Zoom with one note for you, Ollie. How about you, Jim? Yeah, so I'm pretty happy with Teams. and I think Ollie makes a good point about uh, the, the sort of need for a, a certain amount of consistency mm. um, so that we keep so we keep the load uh, fair on students but I think with uh, with one or two experiments during the week where I, I, I want to try and do a little bit more FaceTime with kids this week uh, I don't mean FaceTime as in Apple I mean as in everybody looking at each other's faces so uh, I think probably what I'll try is uh, a, a couple of times this week I'll try and get a class together for 10 to 15 minutes using Zoom um, but within the context of a, of a Teams lesson so Teams has definitely been my central thing I'm really happy with with that that chat functionality, actually. Um, and, you know, even things like checking in with my tutor group in the morning, we have a 10 minute registration and I've been able to check in with them uh, and do some of the normal things that we do. But via the chat, so without a video, without actually everybody listening to me at the same time, we're just talking to each other via the chat. So that that has been uh, my biggest success this week. So rather than saying that's my ideal setup. I'd say that's the thing I'm happiest with so far, but I'll stick with that next week and try just try and introduce a couple of new things 
as we go through the week. Fantastic. And in terms of the actual um, what's on the screen, did you say your kind of keynote presentation? Would that be your main your main thing? Or are you dabbling in OneNote as well? Um, no, uh, I'm I'm a little behind on the OneNote revolution, uh, <laughs> and I mean there are reasons for that, but we'll spare you the we'll spare you the details. Um, I, I mean I, I well I, it's probably it's probably worth saying that I think Ollie and Rich use have been using OneNote with their with their older classes uh, for a long time now, um, and I've felt a little bit behind the curve. But I think they're they're dealing with sort of smaller classes. And, and different subjects. I teach what they call IB math studies with the diploma level math studies course, which tends to have bigger classes uh, and it's a lower level of math. And I haven't I'm not quite convinced that they're there. We're, we're doing exactly the same thing yet. So that's why I haven't been using OneNote. Um, but actually, the, I, as Ollie said, I've, I've been a Google junkie for a long time. So I, I make a lot of use of Google Docs for in, in terms of just having uh, central places uh to keep information and to store and to share links and things to various bits and pieces that we're going to use, which could be anything, which could be videos. It could be slides. It could be collaborative Google spreadsheets. Um, it could be, you know, shared Desmos graphs, you know, all those kinds of things that the key there is to have that one central place where everybody knows they can go. And that teams is our main m- mode of communication. Fantastic. And how, how about you, Rich? Um, well, this, the school bought into to, um, Outlook, so you know that that kind of helped make the decision. And I appreciate not all schools are going to be in that position. Um, and I guess it's the thing that I've been used to. So OneNote integrates nicely with with Teams. Um, I think the quality is really good of the videos and the sound. Um, I've, I personally, I've not had any problems with the mics. Um, we did have a bit of a test with my Year Eleven crap class. Um, in the week prior to being uh, sent home um, and that was brought about by a student being off and we just let, let's just try this thing to see how it worked and uh, they were all amused by the fact that he was in the room and and uh, whilst not being there and they all wanted to have a go so I said okay come on let's have a go and to be quite honest it was ca- complete chaos where you know they were taking control of my mic they were calling each other they were enjoying the fact that they were being on screen and so there was a genuine concern from uh, the teachers that you know this could really get out of hand but honestly since they've been at home on their computers they have been nothing but respectful of one another and of of the lessons and i haven't had any silliness i've got the year 7 classes and and they've been great. They you know just make clear boundaries to them, and uh, they use it really well. And and for me, I guess I just want to keep things as simple as possible. Um, and Microsoft Teams and Microsoft, oh, the Microsoft packages work pretty well together. So that's simple. But you know I'll I'll look at other things. Um, but and, and but I, as- I think the key thing is you know what, whatever teachers are, are comfortable with. And, you know, I know that we've, we've got quite a lot of uh, technical advantage at our school, um, but actually, you know, video conferencing isn't so different than people using WhatsApp or, or Skype to, with, with their friends and family. So, you know, it's not such a big step up from that, really. But just to get a, a, a piece of software that works for you and then have a practice. I mean, we, we set up a team early on so that we could actually practice with one another and, uh, you know, before you go live with a class, I think I'd really recommend that just trying it out with other people and see how it works. 
Yeah, I think you're right, Rich. And I think the, the, a lot of fears that I've picked up from, from teachers and what we're, we're going to get into this next, um, but I, I just want your instant take on this, is if you're a teacher who's perhaps been used to, let's let's say teaching with PowerPoints, use a lot of kind of pre-prepared PowerPoints, but you do the kind of classic thing where you project a question up on the PowerPoint, or this might be um, a flip chart, Promethean flip chart file or a smart board notebook file or something like that. And you're just used to being able to write over that PowerPoint or you've got just like a, a normal, uh, a non-interactive whiteboard and you've got a question up and you've just been used to kind of writing over the top of that. I, I, I sense that that's quite a, just a, a, quite a basic fear for teachers, just kind of doing this. The, how do you do the kind of live writing, the, the live modeling over the top, perhaps, of something that you've prepared? Um, and can you just clarify, if you're using OneNote, is that something that's easy to do in OneNote, just kind of switch from pre-prepared stuff and then annotate over the top of it? And how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I mean, either would work uh, just as well, really. I mean, the the, the laptops that we we have have got the stylus inside them, um, and I think it works a bit more fluidly with OneNote. But there's no reason why you couldn't write on a PowerPoint. So the the key thing is to have one of those pens. Often, if you've got a fairly big screen, I think you, uh, and a tactile one, you can you can write on with your finger. But I, personally, I'm not very good at that. Maybe it's because I've got fat fingers. Um, but obviously, it depends on, on the tech that the, the teachers are going to have at home. They've got to work with, with the best thing that they have. Yeah, it's tricky. And again, worst case, I guess you can kind of type in all the pre-prepared stuff on PowerPoint or whatever and have it animating, coming in one step at a time. It's, it's just hard, isn't it? I'd certainly miss the, the, the freedom of, of, of the pen. Anyway, um, just, to, just to come back to you, Ollie. Um, just in terms of your kids setup, so you, you've spoken about this um, a little bit already. They've, they've each got laptops. Is that a right? And uh, is that right? And se my second question to you, Ollie, on that is, do you have any issues um, with kids who don't have, for whatever reason, access to that tech? Yeah, so um, we, we talked about this yesterday, too. Uh, um, so it sounds like a tangent, but it won't be. So I love uh, I'm a big fan. So I, 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 I've always played contact sports. Um, uh, and I started with rugby and then I went on to boxing and I boxed for a, a long time. Uh, I think it's a fantastic sport. Uh, I don't expect everyone to agree, but I think you learn a lot of self-discipline and good health, etc. Um, and so I took an exchange from Toulouse when I moved here. I was boxing with a club here to Cambridge with the old clubs I boxed with when I was in Cambridge. Uh, so New Astley. Uh, in Newmarket and, and Cambridge Boxing Club. And um, I found, so um, many many boxers are, are from maybe backgrounds where, you know, there's not lots of money. Uh, and, and they all had, all, all my team that I brought from Toulouse, all 90% had more tech than I did. Uh, I, I was amazed. They, they had smartphones, they had uh, like touchscreen, and this was in 2008. It was amazing. Um, so... I, uh, you know, Rich, Jim and I were discussing this yesterday. We were thinking the irony is that maybe now students will have access to more tech than they've ever had because they're at home and so they mm. can use whatever. Um, and so that's the same for teachers because you, you know, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're in a lucky position, no doubt about that. But I have a computer at home. I have a touch. Uh, my, my, my wife has a touchscreen one and they were actually really cheap. You know, like I think hers was 100 euros, but I can download everything I need to on, on hers and annotate. And there's loads of free software where you can have all your slides pre-prepared and annotate. Um, so I, I think that will be OK. And I think l loads of students will have access. 
um, uh, more than perhaps we imagine. And then I thought, well, what happens if really there's cases where some students just don't? Well, maybe schools might start to think, and perhaps not in this first week, but perhaps by the end of this week, because um, of course I imagine there will be cases like that. Um, because mobile phones are also, you know, can also use that. A student can also use that. But you know, if there are cases, um, then the school could maybe you could print out packs, paper packs, that even in the quarantine, you know, in France we now have to fill out a sheet whenever we leave home uh, to say why. And there's only five reasons we're allowed to choose. Um, uh, but one of them, I think, would be acceptable that you go to school to pick up the pack. You know, maybe mm. everyone has a set time, and so that might be, I think, a way of managing that situation. Um, so now I return to like the school our setup. So yeah, the school provides laptops to everyone, and the reason for that is just the management of them um, because they get a really good deal uh, that way because there's a really good um, care package that comes with that, and it makes it really easy for our IT guys to manage because everyone's model is exactly the same, um, and so that means sure, super equipped, um, and so fully appreciate that the situation in many schools won't be. Uh, won't be like that um, but like I say I think it could be I, th I think many schools will have more access to tech than they've ever had and all you need that's the other thing to stress is to do online learning all you need is an internet connection well if I can jump it's in there Ollie, I think that's likely the biggest issue I mean mm. that was one thing I had one student that couldn't take my part in my lesson the other day because the internet connection wasn't working and if I think about my own situation, well, I've actually got four kids at home all trying to do online lessons at the same time as I'm trying to deliver them. So we're sharing our connection between five of us as well. I mean, so far, so good. But I, I can see that that's probably the, the, the biggest area uh, of in, inequity here. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I'm I find sorry, that God. interesting. Yeah, sorry, just because I have a different take to Jim on that, because I've also had students that maybe it zoned out. I had one student that um, they had problems. And I found that wasn't really a problem because they'd already got the Google Doc. They knew where to get it. And so on a phone, they were able to find the Google Doc, which lists everything we're doing every lesson. And I've, you know, uh, a big shout out thanks to your site. First of all, Craig, diagnostic questions, which I'm really investigating for the first time in full. Everything it can offer. A big shout out to Hegarty Math, <laughs> Cool from the Path, you know, um, and Corbett Math. Um, so I've, I've, on that Google Doc, got links to all of those. And so I was able just to say, look, we're doing that lesson there. And actually, it was a hands-on one, so they could just get on with it. They were making pyramids at home and putting them together to make a cube to derive the formula. Um, and uh, but yeah, and then in another case, there was one that just glitched, so a student glitched for 10, 20 minutes. And I just said, look, watch this video on YouTube, this one. Uh, it's on that Google Doc too. And I was able just to, by text, ping them it. Uh, and, and so they could carry on. So there's, I do agree, I think that would be complex, but I, I, unlike Jim, I, I don't know, Jim will correct me if that wasn't, I, I feel that they're manageable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting one. I, I think there's a point there that I hadn't considered, the fact that actually there's more tech available potentially for both teachers and students at home. And um, but again, it's it's this it's this equity issue that always comes mm. back, right? It's and and this situation is only going to make it worse. We 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 can we can narrow the gap much much easier in school by you know lending things, giving equipment out, and all that kind of thing, making sure that kids have access to the same stuff. But yeah, it's it's the internet issue. It's 
again a completely different experience watching a lesson on a tablet or a bigger screen than it is on a phone and all that kind of thing it's but i guess the the, the, there's no simple way of getting around it and i'm sure schools uh, are each working on their their own plans to 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 help those vulnerable students out um can i just ask and i'll come to you um i'll come to you jim and then i'm gonna go over to richard just in case he's anything to add to what what we've talked talked about there um jim i guess the other side of this of course and this is a big concern for, for for many listeners here is that some teachers have never done this before um, many teachers have, have never done this before and I'll put myself in, in that camp as well um, how, how has your school kind of gone about offering support to teachers who, who, are, who are completely new to this and perhaps aren't quite as, as technologically minded yeah I mean that's a great question and it reminded me of something that popped into my head earlier while while uh, Richard was talking I think you know one one really important thing I, I don't know if we got there quickly we might have got there maybe by wednesday this week um is to really really be careful with how ambitious you are to start with mm. and to start really small um don't necessarily imagine you're going to be able to replicate your 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 new normal experience you know maybe as a goal somewhere down the line however long this thing lasts uh, but for the time being, it's it's got to be small wins. And I think that's the best way to support students and teachers is to make sure that we keep everything really manageable sizes um, so that we we try and, and level the playing field a bit. And, and so that we create a bit of time and space to support colleagues that might be less less able to manage in this situation. Um, I think one of the things I, I, I set up a team called the staff room. Um, and it, that was quite an interesting idea because I thought maybe at break it might be nice for us all to go and have a chat about our experiences when the reality is at break all we wanted to do is get away from the screen <laughs> yes, and go and have yes. some real face time with actual people um, but we have been able to use that to support each other to swap ideas to swap tools uh, I mean I've had a one-on-one chat with a, with a couple of colleagues this week where we did just that uh, and I think it's never been more important for us to think of, of each other um, and to help each other out in small ways. But that will be a lot easier as long as nobody is feeling extraordinary amounts of pressure to yes. to do incredible things from day one. You know, we have to understand that we've reset a lot of things here. A lot of norms have got to be established and a lot of basics have got to be learned. So, yeah, it's a, it's a key issue. Supportiveness and, and, you know, careful with our ambition would be my answer. That's fascinating. And just, just before I come to you, Rich, of course, the irony of all that is that you need a certain amount of technological competence to access the kind of technological help, of course, because, again, the classic, the classic thing in schools is the IT guy or girl comes down to, to sit with a teacher who's struggling and talks them through it and so on. And with, without that face-to-face contact, that, that becomes even more difficult. But, but anyway, Rich, um, before we move on to, to kind of wider aspects of this, a- anything you'd like to add about either students uh, accessing this or teachers struggling with it or, or anything like that? No, just just to echo, really, just to be aware that maybe not everybody's got as great an internet connection. Um, we've we've got people who live in quite remote villages, and it's it's not quite so fast as I have in the the centre of Toulouse. Um, and I think one of the things that I I considered this week was it's possible to take snippets of lessons and actually record them as you go. And it was the students who suggested it. And obviously the aim wouldn't be to record the whole lesson, but just a small amount and that that could be add in, in teams anyway, it gets added to automatically to the chat. So if if a, if a student lost um, Internet connection whilst it was going on, they could always go back to that. 
That's interesting. And is that a feature within Teams itself, the kind of screen capture? Is that a separate, yeah. separate? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah, you good. Just... And then really just to echo what Jim said about really expectations, just to be really keeping it simple to start with um, in terms of the teachers using the technology. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, Rich, because you, you, you didn't have you didn't have much there. So I'll come to you first on, on, on this one. I don't want you dipping out here. So um, I'm interested in the in the kind of messaging aspect. Now, when this podcast goes out, which hopefully if all goes to plan, will be some point on Sunday late afternoon. Um, some teachers won't be seeing their kids face to face for God knows how long. Um, so I'm interested in the messaging that you were giving to kids during this process. Well, what, what were you saying to kids to, to, to guide them through this whole big shift to their lives and to try and make what was going to happen, this online learning, as useful as it possibly could be? Yeah, well, to, to start, I mean, I guess we really did see it coming because we were so close to Italy that it was almost inevitable that, that it was going to happen in France. So we were able to kind of, train the, the kids a little bit with using teams and and talk to them about what would happen uh the the senior management got messages out to to the parent population and actually here we've got um our students doing igcses and they do the ib diploma program so this is the post 16 uh, course that they do uh, around the world um and currently that's planning to 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 still run um and so the, the, the message that we were giving the students is, you know, stay calm. We're going to be there for you. You're our priority. We're going to do all that we possibly can to make sure that those that exam preparation runs as, as smoothly as possible. Um, you know, and so far, it, the message that we're getting is um, they, they are going to go ahead, although I, I, honestly, I can't really see how. Um, and the message that we were just trying to give them was we, we're just going to do our best to prepare you for the for these exams. And then I think for, for some of the, the other students, the, the younger ones was, you know, um, it's, it's about supporting them at, at home. Um, and actually, you know, the, some of the, the kids, obviously, when Macron's message came across on that on that Thursday or Thursday last week, there's quite a deal of excitement. Obviously, school's out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is going to be great. And that was really, really quickly followed by, my goodness, what are we going to do? Yes. Because not only are these kids not able to come into school, they're not able to see their friends. Um, at the time, all the sporting activities were stopped as well. And since kind of, you know, we're staying inside. So this is the, the kind of message was, you know, we're there for you. And I think the schools have got a really important role to play in, in ensuring that there is some sort of normality that goes on in their lives d despite uh, the situation. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And it goes back to what you said earlier, Rich, I guess, about that face to face, well, as, as close to face to face as, as we can get it. So um, the kids can see you. You're not just like a, a blank screen in front of them. They you know you're behind it. That ability, that ability to to speak and ask questions and so on and so forth it's it's such a big part of this isn't it that the kind of the the mindset issue and the well-being issue from 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 the kids perspective yeah absolutely yeah flipping egg. um uh, jim let me come to you again feel free to build a, upon what what richard said at any point but I, i'm interested in actually during the sessions themselves 
um, keeping kids motivated and engaged. Is there any particular messaging or any strategies that you found useful there or any problems that you've encountered? Is, is motivation and engagement um, a bigger issue when you're doing online than, than it is face to face? Uh, yeah, well, do you know, I, it's kind of we're so early into the experiment. I don't think I could say anything with any sort of certainty about that. Um, I do think that one of the things I've tried really hard to do is to make sure that everybody's there. So, you know, I, I have uh, the first thing I've done, you know, you know, a, a weird, weird thing, weird scenario. Right. A lesson starts at two o'clock, actually starts at two o'clock. You know, there's none of this shuffling <laughs> around. The last one's just finished and I really miss the few minutes I used to get in between. Um, but the first thing I'll do is I'll post a, a message in, in Teams and say, hey, good morning, everybody. Just a reminder, this is this is the this is the main aim for today. And I ask them to please like this post because it's you know, ah nice. So please like this post to let me know you're there. And, and of course, you know, that that got better as the week went through. And now now they're they've got used to that and they'll they'll do it bar maybe four or five. Uh, and I'll be able to sort of quickly you know, you just you can just type the beginnings of their names into a into the next post and the names come up and you can just, hey, hey, you guys there. And then and then typically I think all all but one will show up. And, and once once I've I've uh, made certain that everybody's understood what's going on, um, I'll go and I'll chase that particular student. And in every case, I've managed to get them. Um, and I think that's really important for just establishing the kind of little routines you're supposed to be there you're supposed to let me know you're there you're supposed to know that i'm there for you and just just as you say building on what richard said uh, i think those kind of daily rituals are going to be really important for for just keeping things ticking over um and then you know uh, a couple of things i tried this week have been um you know take a photo of your work post a photo of your work so there is a kind of uh uh, a thing you've got to do to demonstrate that you've done something um, which kind of helps the focus and the motivation a bit, really. And also then you get to see uh, they get to sort of comment on, on what each other's done, those kinds of ideas. Uh, so I, uh, I did a similar activity to Ollie this week about building pyramids. Everybody had to post a picture of their pyramid. And I actually set up a little Google photo album for that, which was dead easy. And of course, there's a little bit of everybody wants to be there and, and everybody knows that if they're not, then I will notice and those those kinds of things. So uh, nothing sort of terribly conclusive, um, Craig, on that. But at the, but I think sort of little ideas that are beginning to take shape into how you make sure that nobody just opts out because you can't see them and you can't, you, you know, you can't be with them all the time and you can make one on one phone calls. You can sort of get to one kid and say i haven't heard much from you today how's it going those you can do private messages but ultimately it's a very very different scenario to the one we're used to that's fascinating i really like the use of the like uh yeah function there that, that's mm. smart i like that um and ollie just to you again feel free to to build or comment upon anything that, that rich and jim have said but uh, the, the specific question i'm also interested from you is uh, any behavior issues come come from this and uh, when you mentioned that when the kids could uh, unmute their mics and so on and chipping in with stuff there um, any any other behavior things that have that have uh, come to light in this first week um yeah, so um, just uh, just revisit one thing briefly sure. from Jim. Absolutely sharing work. So at the end of most lessons, so I can see, you know, what's happened. They'll post a, a picture which they can take on their phone or on the, the camera on the computer just to load it up to the chat. And I say private chat, that way they're not sharing it with everyone, you know, so there's no risk of any 
um, embarrassment yes. if they, they feel shy about that. Um, and so homework, you know, we've been advised to go easy because students in their tutor time, so we did have tutor time and they reported back tutors that they, they're really finding it a lot of work and that they found teachers were setting too much homework. Um, and so what I've been thinking is uh, I think I might be using homework time, I mean, probably will, uh, to give, that's what I'm doing this week anyway, to give feedback on the work they did in class because what I do find is I can't get round the class if you see what I mean I can't seal their work so quickly um, it takes longer to, to, to go on chat and, and open the photo and then go on the next one open the photo even though it appears directly in the software it doesn't download um, it still takes longer and so I think I'll use homework time to look at the classwork and feedback on it and then when they feel a bit more settled and in tutor time we get feedback that students you've got a bit more space I, I think I'll ask them to integrate my feedback from their classwork um, and to show me they've integrated it in, in the next bit of, of homework that'd be the homework just to integrate that um, and another way just like Jim said is holding up things to the cameras a great way so like when we made the pyramids yeah I asked a few uh, who just uh, who had any problems with taking a, a photo just to hold it up to the camera and show us the and that's really nice because then you, you see each other and so now I return to the behavior management issue yeah the problem is it just takes so you know uh, Jim and Rich looks like they haven't encountered that and, and I hadn't with a number of classes but it just takes one student to start yeah. messing around yes. um, and of course you have a suspicion I have a strong suspicion who that student is if they're listening <laughs> <laughs> um, because they're younger and, and the things they say afterwards they don't realize give them away but uh, uh, but I can't prove it um, so because there's no as far as I'm aware there's no way of knowing who is turning on the mics and who is turning them off and actually in teams they can turn the teacher's mic off uh, and actually that's oh, wow. <laughs> and that did actually happen a couple of times uh, it's happened by mistake and I, I and you know and that's the other important thing teachers is don't overreact and, you know slam yeah. on your students it, it can really happen by mistake and, and it has happened in other class but it happened once too often in this lesson uh, uh, and so yeah I think that's going to be an issue um, and it might not be an issue for all classes which is why I think Zoom's going to help because it just gives you that complete control and hence actually a lot of teachers might be finding behavior management easier than ever no, right. maybe not. it does depend on your setup again and you're, you're really right to have highlighted that Craig and it was really good that you know Jim and Rich revisited it of course internet access and everything else will be different for different people and that's really hard to predict um, but but if we need an internet connection and a phone and they are on, I think it would be easier. And, and Zoom then would be my preference uh, for the behavior management side. And then I, I didn't mention, but perhaps just a touch um, for the for the old and, and Teams is good for others. Like I've got other classes uh, where there's been no problem at all. And, and Teams was fine in that scenario. Um, and then older classes, I have used just uh, Meet more, uh, Google Hangout Meets. And I, I think I'll carry on using that um, yeah, because it integrates well with OneNote and everything else. So in terms of behavior management, I think you might find it easier if you, use, if you use Zoom to control. Yeah. There's that's one thing that's Jim, come yeah, up. go, go, Jim. Yeah, so just, um, you, you know, there's, 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 there's key differences between whether or not you're currently uh, got all your class involved in, in a call or whether or not you did a little bit of a lesson first and then you set them on some work or whether or not you just set work and you're you're sort of managing it on a one on one basis. But what I know has happened because staff have talked about it and also because like Ollie and Richard, we've got we've got spies on the ground in our own house uh, who are taking <laughs> part in, our, in, in the lessons is that actually um, 
groups of students uh, are getting together and working in small groups, almost like being on the same table, as it were. Um, so if you've set you've set some work and I'm on teams and I'm monitoring what's going on, I know that four or five people are actually currently in a call where they are ostensibly sort of helping each other out with the work. But of course, what's that, that's no different from them talking to each other about yes. it on, on a table. But the big difference is that I can't hear it. <laughs> uh, yes. And so you have absolutely no idea what's going on in that conversation. Um, and that's that's going to be a big leap of faith for us. Uh, I know that there are some colleagues who are uh, who are concerned about that. And it's, it isn't that I'm not concerned about it, but I'm accepting of the fact that I've got no control over it. And mm. that I would I would rather they had the opportunity to to get together and to help each other uh, with the risk that I know that perhaps that means that they're talking about things that I wouldn't let them talk about in my classroom. Um, but it's early days. And, and I think probably maybe you're going to have to be specific about saying, right, for the first half of the lesson, I definitely want you to be on your own. Or And at this point, it's OK for you to go off and have these kind of group calls. Um, these are just considerations. But I like the fact that it was their instinct to get together and rather than just be isolated, just just to get together and do some things and help each other out. That's great. That's great. That. And again, it goes back to what Richard said before, that it's, it's this well-being aspect. And it's what yeah. all three of you have touched upon, the, the normal, making it feel as normal as possible to kids. And they wouldn't be isolated all day in school. So and we know that kids learn well working together and stuff like that. Yeah. But getting that balance, that is yeah. it. So all these fascinating things that I, I wouldn't even have, have considered. That That's great. That um, Rich, let, let me come to you and um, move. And I should say for, for listeners, we're going to come back. One of the most um, requested things for us to talk about is this assessment and feedback and Ollie's touched upon it already we're going to come back to that um, in the next section but I just want to um, talk briefly about content and I'll come to you Richard first here um, Ollie mentioned that you are following the school day as it as it always has been um, with the, uh, and even so far as including tutor time and things like registration and tutor time and so on and so forth um, how about the scheme of work itself Richard is, is that continuing or have you adapted and the reason I'm asking that is um, are you finding that some topics are more difficult to teach in this this way than others and, and therefore have made changes or are you just cracking on um, as it always has been yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so uh, I've been, I guess I've been trying to do the same topics, but I'm adapting the tasks. Right. Um, so the, the first thing was, you know, because it came quite quickly, we weren't able to print anything out for the students. And actually, when I looked at the kind of things that I'd ask, I'd normally print out and use in a module, I was thinking, actually, these things just might not work with the students working on their own at home. So it's more about adapting things. And I've just had to find a way of getting around that. Um, so, I, I mean, one of the key things that I guess I'm keen on is to encourage the, the students to, to work together. I mean, you, you touched on that a lot with uh, with your last question. And there's kind of tools to help uh, help us do that. Um, so I don't know if you're aware of kind of the Desmos polygraph activities. Yes, yes. I've, I've used them, but not used them enough. T tell us a bit more about them, Richard. OK, so um, my, my year seven class, for example, the module that we've just started now is about shape. And we've been looking at the properties of quadrilaterals. So Desmos have created this online platform where you can play a digital version of that game. Guess who? You know, you play with a, a partner where normally you pick a person and uh, the person opposite you tries to find out which person that is by asking questions like do they have a moustache are they wearing glasses uh, do they have black hair 
and they eliminate all these different people and, and come up hopefully at the end with the person that you chose. Well, they've created a game exactly like that, but with with quadrilaterals. And and the and what the the platform does is that the the, the students uh, log on and then it automatically assigns them someone from the class. So I, I log on as, as as a student and it it uh, pairs me up with Jim and it gets me to to choose the shape. So there's the a choice of I think 16 shapes and then Jim will try and uh, guess what that shape is. And he'll be asking me questions, like kind of the same yes or no answer questions. So does it have a pair of parallel sides? Does it have right angles in? And the really cool thing about that is they're working with a partner, uh, but they're all also working together. So I get to see all the questions, all the answers, and I can and chip in and kind of uh, talk about good questions and encourage them to use the right language. And what I love about the activity is that Whilst we're not at all in the same physical room, it feels like we're doing the same activity as we yes. do in a classroom because um, we're working on it together. And it's just lovely. That is really nice. And again, just on the practical thing, is, is that is that all contained in the Google Doc that Jim was talking about? So the kids would know that for this lesson, I need to log into Desmos or whatever. Or do you get them all together in teams and then send them away to wherever they need to be, if that makes sense? So I, because I use teams, all I have to do is uh, give them the URL. So it's just uh, student.desmos.com. And there's just a code that goes with that. So they, they, they put this this code in and actually on my teacher version of the screen, I see who's logged in and, and when they're there and then I can see when they're playing. So it's just a That's really, nice. really, really simple. That's really nice. So let, let me come to you, Jim, on, on this one. Um, again, it's early days um, for everybody in this. Um, and I know you've, you've only had a week's worth of experience. But do you get do you have the sense at this stage that some topics are going to be particularly problematic to teach in this ways? Or or have you got your eye on some topics and you think, well, actually, the, this is going to be a lot better to teach? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. Um, just uh, what I found, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me to think about doing something different than what I was supposed to do because I think there wasn't enough time. Mm. So we just said, right, that's what I'm doing this week. But as the week wore on and I was beginning to see how things were going, I realized that it was going to be a case of what resources do I already have that yes. I think will work. And so I, th I, I, I think I am going to make some adjustments uh, based on the fact that for this topic, I believe I have the resources that, were, that, that will work in this environment. It's just like, you know, the, the Desmos stuff that Richard's just described. I used one of those this week and they're they're outstanding and we use them regularly through the year and they're going to lend themselves very much to this environment. So I might shift a few things around, certainly in the beginning when I'm, you know, when everybody's playing catch up. The last thing I want to be doing is sitting up all night designing new resources that will work in this particular environment. So I, it'll probably be a compromise. I don't think I've come, I, I've had, I've thought for long enough to decide whether there are some topics that will lend themselves more to it than others. But certainly I've been thinking about whether resources will lend themselves more to it than others. Fantastic. And, and Ollie, again, feel free to add to anything that, um, that Richard and Jim have spoken about. But the specific question I just want to ask you to uh, after that is whether you've had a chance to speak to other colleagues from other subjects. How, how are they finding it? Because we have lots of listeners from from other subjects who listen to this podcast. Um, are we the lucky ones in maths? Is maths something that's <laughs> a lot easier to do uh, than, let's say, English or history? Have, have, you, have you got any sense from, from, from other colleagues about how they're finding this? 
Um, so I just return briefly to the points that Jim and Rich were making, just content, because I think that would be useful uh, for the math teachers, really. What I've loved about your podcast, Craig, is how detailed it is. You know, it's just brilliant. You really can sense the classroom when you listen. You're in the classroom with that teacher. And that's so practically helpful day to day level. So just in case it helps. Um, we're, I think all three of us are big believers in a balanced diet of what students get as activities. Um, and so that's important to us now to try and continue providing that certainly important to me um so our teach mathematics site is uh, and it's completely free i wouldn't mention it otherwise um not at this time uh is um and it will continue to be for the whole of lockdown to your listeners uh, and we can sort out how that might work um and, and there's loads of other free resources but it really focuses on uh, thinking inquiry critical thinking engaging making discovering activities so that's a super and hands-on mass stuff they can make stuff they can go outside in there on the on in the in the if they're allowed and you know that's the other big thing some people are in flats some people are in houses so if your mum and dad will let you in any room of your house start drawing on the floor with some children afterwards <laughs> there's some great math activities you've got so that's really good to keep those critical um thinking critical uh thinking inquiry discovery uh, diet part of the diet going i use kahoot your diagnostics like i said just excellent thank you um i'll come back to that later but it answers a big homework question that i've been having recently uh, and i think that's gonna i'm um, certainly for the next year i'm gonna do a, an in-depth experiment with that um and then I'm, I'm sure all schools were getting bombarded with free resources but that's fantastic uh, yeah, i never complain about that um and so I think there will be loads of content to ensure our students continue to get the balanced diet. I do think the, knowing that we'd be speaking on your program today um, and also just one thing on that, like GeoGebra, I'd also Desmos, fantastic. I fully agree with everything Rich and Jim have said. Um, GeoGebra, I think, is fantastic, too, because they can make, you know, those constructions. I, I was doing uh, one of Jim's activities, actually, and Rich's is constructing quadrilaterals, indestructible quadrilaterals by using their properties in GeoGebra. And they can load up the file at the end. The file sizes of GeoGebra files are tiny. Um, and they could, you could also create uh, like a space in GeoGebra materials where they could do that. So, you know, that's another option. Um, and then, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, Michaela School and things like that, where if I've understood correctly, you know, I've been listening to quite a few who follow a similar uh, pedagogical approach, um, which I found really interesting to listen to, um, where it's very uh, teacher led. And how that might pan out, you know, I can't, I can't talk about that. We're, we're not so much, uh, on that page all the time. Um, but I, I'm, I think they'll have means of organizing that because like Jim says, you can like to check who's there, but also I, I just look as soon as I'm in teams or, or, or hangouts or anywhere, it lists all the participants. So I do a register at the start, just looking through the list. I set them a task. And then while they're doing that task, I just scroll through the participants and do a register and it's keeping those parents informed. Um, so that they know, because I guess what is changed is the school's ability to sanction that child. Mm. So if you have a system that relies on that, yeah, I, d I don't have an answer for that, but I, I guess that will be a concern. And the one I can think of is, you know, children, uh, um, it's going to be tough for them. You know, you're locked up in a flat. Maybe you've got three brothers and sisters. Maybe there's four of you, um, small space. I think school could be a real release from that. I think there might be more, you know, a uh, silver line to that. There might be more student engagement than before, just generally innate student engagement. Sure, maybe for a week they'll mess around. But, you know, 
Uh, I just heard yesterday, maybe 15th of May in France. Uh, there's a rumor out there for you, but it did come from an, uh, <laughs> a source that's not to be discarded. Um, and so it's going to get long. Uh, and so I think students might get genuinely really engaged because, as Rich was saying, sense of normality. Um, that, that there's a, every day there's there. I'm stopping lessons a couple, I think, this week. I, I started informing students of it last week. I went for a run Thursday night. I filled out my form because we're allowed to take physical exercise, provided we don't run too far from home. <laughs> so you can't go on a 20-kilometer bike ride. But, um, and I filled out my form. I went for a run. I was out of breath. And I thought, oh, no, I've got COVID. <laughs> and, then I, and then I said to myself, no, there's no way I've got COVID. I've been you know, locked down. Literally, I hardly moved. And I realized, you know, for five solid days, I was sat down. I think I barely moved. Yes. You know, I, I'm a very active person. I, I, I'd say in the first three days, I was maybe literally taking 100 steps a day. Mm. And I realized just in five days, it made me think of when people go to the moon and they come back and have to have that training, you know, to readapt to gravity. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's, I said it's jokingly to be there. I thought, well, yeah, but hang on, it is joking one week, two weeks, but four weeks, five weeks. I'm not sure I'm joking. Mm. I don't think we realize how much we move around. And so I think I'll be, I, I started telling them, I say, look, I've got a little routine for myself now. In between, I'm going to end two, two minutes early. I might come to the lesson a minute or two late and in that time I'd like all of you and I'm going to be doing it just a quick press up you know squat thrust front jump up and down routine just so you, your muscles stay stay healthy and you stay healthy um yeah so that's touching on those those things there balanced diet I think is really important of activities to keep engagement and so other colleagues um that was the, the new question mm. um oh and the one last thing um I, I forgot to mention earlier uh when, when, because it's a really key point with the older students, when I'm using Google Hangouts, Hangout Meets, um, most of the time I'm not talking. They've shared their screen. So instead of seeing a little icon with each of their faces, most of the time, like 80% of the lesson, maybe 40 to 80%, I'm watching their screen while they're doing working out of a question. I love that. Because since, you know, we've been doing that, Rich, as, as Jim was saying, Rich as well, for maybe four or five years now. And for the first time in you know history, because that's a new technological revolution, I, I sit in front of my screen. I have all of the, and I, at school we have a VPN as well, so I can see all of their screens at once on my screen. Uh, and I'm watching everything they're doing. So I've got a, such a deep insight into how all of them are thinking and where they get stuck. And I can react super fast. You know, you normally you circulate around the class and it might be 10 minutes because people that are struggling often are embarrassed and don't want to admit it, even though you're there to help. Um, it takes you 10 minutes to realize, whereas now I, I can see really quickly who's struggling and I can see what they're thinking. You know, all those um, misconceptions you talk of, they become really apparent. Uh, so that's the last thing I'd say about that. That's why I really like the any um, sc screencasting software where you see all in a thumbnail all the participants at the bottom that you can scroll through because I have them showing the screen most of the time so I can see their work. Um, so if you get some free whiteboard software, and maybe I, I think about posting some of those uh, later in, in one of the links on your site, I'm sure you know loads already, um, then they could maybe have those and be doing the same thing. So other colleagues. Um, so I, I think history and English uh, is more, um, they're often essay writing topics. And so I, they, they seem to be following more of an asynchronous uh, approach, as Jim keeps saying. Uh, <laughs> and I laughed because I thought, yeah, same for me, I think, really. I'm not sure we've ever used that word until. No. until so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I think they're using a more asynchronous approach. So, i.e., you're not synchronized, you're not doing it at the same time. So they set the work 
in, in whatever way they're using, probably the school system. And they're not there for the lesson. So the, the people get on with it. Maybe they're there five minutes at the start to set it up. Maybe they're there in the middle at the end just to, to, to draw it together. But they spend their hour time of class marking it and giving feedback. Because whereas maths and science, I think we've, and I'm not saying that's every lesson either, but they probably do that more than we do in maths and science. Whereas I guess maths and science, there's more, you can always write, can't you, in English and history, even if what you're writing is nonsense. <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> to you. You can keep doing it. Uh, in maths and science, you, someone asks you a question or there is a question, you just go, I don't know. I, I have nothing to say about that. And so I think we perhaps are faced with that issue more. Uh, and, and so I think all other colleagues are using asynchronous learning more, set the task and use my lesson time to mark and give feedback ready for the next lesson. That's uh, interesting. And ju just on that, Ollie, that's fascinating. That. So would you would you say yourself that in terms of the structure of your actual lessons, in terms of how much you would kind of model, how much independent work, how much group work there'd be, that there hasn't been a significant change in that now we're in this kind of online learning environment. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is for me. It's interesting, you know, Jim and Richard, many people are saying they don't feel like they're getting through as much in lessons. Uh, I, I don't particularly feel that, and, and maybe I'm deluding myself, but I don't particularly <laughs> feel that at the moment. Um, but what I do feel is I can't, so I, I yeah, I don't feel much change. Um, but what I, where I, and I haven't needed resources so much for the older students because they've got one though, and it's more or less, you know, business as usual. Um, and, you know, they're just more mature, so it's more of an adult exchange and, and it's easy to manage that, you know, they don't have to be there anymore. They could go and get a job if they're at school. It's because they want to be. The law is not obliging them. Um, but, um, yeah, where I think I, it's harder is I can't see everyone's work so quickly and that's taking a lot more time. That's interesting. And just um, just before we move on to the assessment and feedback, just to you, Jim, and then to you, Rich, is that true for you as well in terms of the structure of your lessons? Nothing's fundamentally changed. And just to pick up on Ollie's uh, point there, well, why is it that you feel you're not getting through as much? Well, what's that down to, do you think? I'll come to you first, Jim. Yeah, lack of ambition, Craig. That's what it is. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I just pick up uh, I can offer a bit of insight. I teach the part of the IB diploma is a course called Theory of Knowledge, which is kind of a, a beginner's uh, epistemology, um, which is very heavily discussion and writing based. And, and I've loved doing that for a number of years now because it's it's a real stark uh, contrast. I mean, they go well together, but it's very different from teaching mathematics. And this week, those students have been writing a lot and, and they're and they're all on Google Docs. They always were. You know, that's how we work. Um, because there's a sort of it's, it exists in one place. We haven't got multiple versions. Um, and, and like Ollie says, it's a bit kind of big brother, but I can actually watch them write. Um, and you can offer feedback straight away and it and it stays there as a, a sort of a, a sort of a, you can see the journey of the writing as it went. So I found that I've had to think a lot less about that this week than I have had to do about maths. But of course, that'll run out of steam because we rely so much on on discussion in those classes as well which i think mm -hmm. is going to be harder to emulate um i think probably i have uh, i've lowered my my own expectations i laughed about lack of ambition but i think that's i think i've tried i'd rather have a, a few small wins to start with and build on them over time um so i, I it's not like i feel i haven't been able to do as much but i I've, I've probably tried to do less this week uh, and I probably will try to do a little bit more next week. You know, I think 
ultimately there's so much work to do in in establishing new norms new routines Mm. new sets of expectations of of all of us that that i'm that i've been prepared to allow for a fair amount of time for that to take shape um yeah. That's fast. That's fascinating. And just Rich, just just you on that final thing before I I, I move on to the next question and um, next section. And um, just on those two points there, would you say the structure of your lessons are pretty much the same? And have you found the same as Jim in terms of um of, of, in terms of how much you're getting through in lessons? Um. So the the structure. I think what I'm trying to do is is vary what they're doing a little bit more, perhaps than they would do in class. Um. So maybe I'll, I'll, I'll speak at the start, but it'd be quite short to trying to use really simple language. And then I'm trying to get them into doing something. But within that time, probably doing trying to do more short activities. Um, and, and maybe that's that, that's me thinking that when the, when there's quiet and they're getting on with things, I'm just worried that they're, they're not understanding. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I just feel that probably they, they need to have a bit more variety than they used to. Um, and, I, and actually, I do think that things take more time, um, as, particularly for some students. Um, I've just got this time lag in terms of, you know, they've got a problem. They've got to ask me. And then I've got to somehow find a solution to that remotely. Whereas, you know, I would just go and walk up to them and look over the shoulder and I, we can solve that straight away. So I think uh, what it what it raises more than anything is. um you know the need to differentiate what we're doing uh, and some some students will run away with it and they you know they they get through things really quickly but others obviously don't um and obviously they're going to need a bit more support that's fascinating that. that that teases up perfectly rich for the um uh, big questions about assessment and feedback so i'll come to each of you on this one so i'll start with you rich um Quite simply, but it was a simple question to ask, but I'm, I'm assuming a hard one to answer. And um, how do you assess and monitor during the lesson, and, and how about afterwards? Okay, well, that that's a really tough one. Um, I think a lot of uh, teachers of other subjects, as has been mentioned, are getting the students to work during the lesson and submit their work at the end. Um, and, I, and I think I've got to say that I'm spending a lot more time preparing lessons. Um, so I really don't think it's kind of reasonable to to expect math teachers to probably mark the work in the traditional way um i know after a couple of days on this uh, i was absolutely exhausted and i was kind of cheered really to hear that kind of i wasn't the only person um so it is quite draining so one of the things i'm trying to do really very simple things in terms of let's get together and share our answers and you'll check that uh, I'm providing model answers, which probably is not something I use so much. But I'm also trying to find activities that are self-checking. Mm. So CIMT, you know, the Centre of in- Innovation in Mathematics Teaching, has lots of kind of self-checking activities. So that at least the students are getting instant feedback on whether they've got something right. You know, Desmos does the same sort of thing. Obviously, My Maths and kind of Kahoot quizzes, all of those things where you can get instant feedback are quite useful. Um, because it's just not the same. I'm not walking around the class and, and being able to see over their shoulder what, what exactly they're doing. 
Yeah, that that is the it's, it's the big thing for me, as, as you said, Rich. It's you take it for granted, don't you? The fact you can just wander over to a kid and like just help them or either speak to them, flick back a few pages in their book, write something down next to them. That that bit is is incredibly hard to, to replicate, and that's been my instinct. These self checking is is, is self checking activities is the key. And I'll come to you, um, Jim and Ollie, in a second. But just just a wider point, just in case I forget to make it, and there may be listeners to this podcast thinking. Well, this, this this would all be well and good if all my kids had devices where they could write things. And as um, Ollie and Jim said, I can see their screens, essentially see what they're writing. That would be amazing. But the reality is, of course, many students won't. And it'll be a case of a te- that they'll have a screen to watch, but they won't have a screen necessarily to interact with. But again, there are ways around that. The, the kids can be doing work on pen and paper in a traditional way and then just kind of send a photo in, upload a photo at the end of it. Or as Rich has said, there are lots of things, whether it's Hegarty, whether it's MyMath, whatever, whatever it is, where it's um, these self-checking, these 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 instant feedback, which the kids need. Otherwise, again, there's no way of knowing whether they're right or wrong. And and again, and I'm not, I know I'm uh, prattling on a bit here, but on a very simple level. It could be the case that we kind of trust the kids in the sense that the kids do their work on pen and paper if they don't have a device. And at the end of the lesson, we project up the answers and the kids mark them themselves and so on. This is a new situation and we've got to adapt accordingly with whatever resources we've got. So after that, uh, let me come to you, Jim. Um, again, have, have, you found, have you found the same as Rich in terms of assessing and monitoring during the lesson and afterwards? Anything that's working particularly well for you? Yeah, you didn't leave me anything to say. You just summed it up. Really, <laughs> sorry, really, sorry. Really that was that was good. Um, I think you know it's it's certainly the 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 elephant in the room there. This is a very different scenario, and I don't know that I've got any other strategies. I've begun to think about it, and I, and I, like like all situations, if there's an opportunity, you know, rather than sort of grappling around for the best solution, is there an opportunity to think differently? And I'm beginning to think about well, actually. If if an hour's work happened, what what is the one thing that I would like to see that summarizes what what came out of that hour? You know, so rather than sort of collecting reams of work and marking it all. I mean, not that that's part of my daily routine anyway, but I just think thinking very carefully about what I would like to have from a student that would be a measure I could use as to how well they've done. Uh, and and something that I could feed back on formatively so that they could take it somewhere else. And it was it definitely beginning to feel like a, a time for less is more um, to do less of it, but try and make it really, really valuable, which might not be a bad thing anyway. That's fascinating. And, and how about you, Ollie? How's the assessment and feedback working for you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, Craig, I found your uh, and I'm, listeners. I'm generally saying this because um, I, th- I think I'd like to say it publicly. Those podcasts are just awesome because there's every pedagogical approach possible. And as a teacher, you can just listen to them uh, I, on the car on the way to uh, I play sport once a week. I'd listen to it on the bike sometimes. Um, uh, and that's been a huge support. And, I'm, uh, I, and, and, and thanks, Craig for getting us on today because that's what I hope this will do for other people give something back uh, because you you've been setting that up and you've made that happen um, and so I, I've become aware you know that, that of that more direct instruction Engel, Engelman approach um, and I, I had food for thought for that because you often ask your um, uh, yeah, interviewees to give an example of when something went wrong 
Yes. Uh, I've got one of those for you. Uh, <laughs> if that helps. And, and I like the way people say, oh, you know, it happened years ago, or some people admit it happened only last week. You know, I've been teaching what, 17 years now, uh, and this happened only this week, just gone. So I was doing solving equations, uh, and I started with really simple because I didn't want to lose anyone. And, and, and those that you know, could do it better, there was lots for them to get on with. And so they didn't have to listen. I made it very clear you don't have to listen if you feel. And I, I emphasize, you know, if you could do 99 out of 100 of these without any mistake, that's your level of confidence. You don't need to listen to me now. You, you go and do that other activity and there was video support for that, etc. Um, but even the simple examples I did, I realized um, after 15 minutes when I said, OK, so you can because this was the younger group. So I said, you can turn your mics on. Um, anybody got a question? And the student said, yeah, I didn't understand that. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 15 minutes. I, I perhaps should have known that a bit earlier. Um, and, and it worked out okay, but that's definitely not optimal. And so one thing I'd say, it just made me think back to breaking down. You know, I did listen to your Chris Bolton episode and... Um, uh, and the, 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 I just one thing where he said there's 16 skills to a simultaneous equation. You know, mm. just things like that. Um, so being aware of that. So I just take the example. I think I had like 5x over 3 plus 2 equals 8. You know, I've just made up those numbers off the top of my head. Um, and I showed how to solve that. Um, and I and I started by saying, you know, you always have to translate the math. What does that mean? Um, and thanks, Naveen. I used your what's the secret sign. I really like that. She said, what's the yes. sign? I just think that's a really nice um, memory jogger. Um, uh, and uh, I, I realized what I should have done is given them 10 questions where I, I just put up that question and all they had to do was translate it. What does that mean? Mm. I'm getting loads of feedback then. They could have loaded up pictures only once they'd done the 10. So there's a nice time lag there i could have given them another activity that they're getting on with straight away so they're not all waiting for everyone to load up pictures i, I tend to say you know take pictures now here's the next activity yes. get started on the next activity and whilst you're doing that load up your pictures and i'll be looking through them while you're doing the next activity um so that's one thing and that's thanks to you and and those people that have shared so thanks very much for sharing those ideas um that made me more aware of that and, and try and pay attention to it i think i can that be really helpful i found kahoot really helpful um for language we have a lot of eal and so I was doing, as I said earlier, like properties of quadrilaterals and um, shapes generally and angles. And uh, it's really language heavy that, you know, already properties of quadrilaterals. What on earth does properties mean? <laughs> Those, there's a lot of general terms. And so I had a kahoot. And the great thing was they were really engaged. Uh, they all loved it. And at, but at the end of each question, I could just say, OK, what does this word mean? And what does this word mean? And it, I, that wasn't a class discussion. I would say very specifically what each of those meant with concrete examples and then i just say if anyone's got another example just put it in the chat and if there were some good ones i'd, I'd post those so it was really good for working language um pausing after each question um my math a time scale um you know so how do you know people are progressing so i set a task i think you know even the weakest will com complete it in 20 minutes and so if people aren't then i can maybe uh, after that time scale just I'll know who has and who hasn't because thankfully Mike Nass, you know, lists it instantly. So I can just contact them and say, you know, is, was it too easy? Was it too hard? Or what's happening? Um, uh, just one slight tangent. There's that great video circulating of, uh, so with my wife, we were, we were trying to brainstorm a, a lady who's saying, our teachers, give us a break. She's two <laughs> days, 
the primary. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she said, you know, you send me a music score. I can't read music. What the hell am I going to do with that? Etc. <laughs> Etc. Etc. Et uh, this is a rant for one minute thirty. It's really funny. It's doing the rounds. It's like gone viral. Um, I think that's worth bearing in mind. You know. Um, so if we are trying to report back to, we don't have the sanction ability anymore. And if you're a school where that was a good key part of your initiative, I, I don't think we can expect parents. Just be wary what your expectations of parents are. I think it's great to let them know so they can make that. But you know, parents have are probably having a stressful time right now too, um, etc. So in the background. Um, so and then um, so one thing I'm, I'm finding super useful. I've been subscribed to your diagnostics for about a week or two. And again, everyone, I'm not, I'm not saying that because I'm on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I just want to I'll say, send the money in the post. That's right. Absolutely. Well, it's free, and you said it's free for always. You know, <laughs> certainly, right. certainly, 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 that's amazing. And I just think you know, a huge hands up, uh, and especially at this time, to all those teachers who 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 work in in, uh, in schools that are challenging and schools that are not challenging. What a difference you make to people's lives every day. Uh, this is a key time where we can make a real difference, and our role is super important in keeping that normality. Um, to all the people in the hospitals, to all those people that do those jobs, I think it's a great shame uh, you're not in the front on the front of the papers more often. Um, and 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 you know, doing the diagnostics, doing those podcasts. You know, that's I I, I said to just for listeners benefit, I sent a, a brief mail to Craig saying I think you're the Jimmy Wales of education. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really, I think it's quite uh, seriously, it's quite unique. And it's, you know, we're all good at criticising everything else, but sometimes you have to say really well done. And that goes back to what I said at the start about those international projects. You know, enough bad news. There's amazing things happening every day. Humans are amazing. Our capacity, our curiosity, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and it's really important to celebrate those uh, when they're very visible. So uh, I was with great joy. So this year, I realized, I luckily, I had an epiphany moment. I got concrete evidence that I set more homework than 95% of my colleagues. Um, and I give feedback more times than 95% of them. And my results and my outcomes are no better, generally, on the whole. <laughs> Okay, so that was a really like, you know, so what I'm doing has to change. The hours over the years I've been doing that, um, God, what could I have done with that? Um, so, um, I, but I can't accept, sorry, that's a personal view. Everyone's different. I know there's big arguments about this. I can't believe people that are good are recognized by society for being good at something. It, every biography I've ever read on that, and I, I try to read lots of biographies because I think, um, students, young people are given an inaccurate view of many people who are successful. They have done like loads more of that thing for which society recognizes them than practically anyone else. I mean, Madonna's like the classic rebel, but if you look since the age of four, she was touring the US uh, performing. You know, she was anything but a rebel. We saw her age 20 when finally I think she was, you know, trying to have that childhood. Maybe she and Madonna, no offense, you know yourself much better <laughs> uh, on the very off chance that you hear this. But so I, I can't believe that um, practice doesn't improve. And anything in my life just confirms that too. Anything I've got good at, I spent a lot of time doing it. And I watched people that were really good at it, etc. So I think homework's important. And I, I struggle not to believe that. Um, but how to do it. And so what I've really loved about the diagnostic site and why I'm going to trial it for a year, I think really seriously, um, is what have been my problems? It does everything I've been trying to do manually, which has taken me ages. So I always try to give targets, like one to three or four targets, things I could improve. I annotate the work. I, I type it in the managed back system, so they've got it typed, so they, you know, so they can't misread my handwriting. I've been doing that for about two or three years, typing every time. And I'm annotating the work. 
Um, uh, and then I say, you know, one or two things they've done well because it's great they spent that time and, and I need to recognise the effort and the commitment they've put in. Um, but that's that take, uh, but but they're not. I think why have I not got any better outcomes than my colleagues doing less homework, etc., and giving less feedback? Is because I don't think they're reading it. Either they're not reading it uh, because they've got busy lives, and you know, for some of them, maths is a scary thing, not something they want to linger on. Um, they are reading it, but they don't understand it. So I think I've made it as clear as I can. But you know, I know lots of things uh, that they that's not in their background. Um, they are reading. They do understand it, but then they didn't have time to act. So there's loads of reasons. So um, what's particularly impressed me with the diagnostics is um, in my maths, there's a limited range of questions. So there's an infinite range possible in diagnostics because you can design your own. It's a user contributed source. So there's hundreds of there. So I'm really impressed, Craig. That's like really evolved since I was there like uh, two years ago or whatever the first time. Um, and it's that what I really love this time is when I get those answers and I'll be using uh, these with my classes this week and I'll just say a little something. And I realize I'm talking a long time. So I'll say a little something at the end about that, too, with a particular class um, is that the report generation and that I see what the question in that quiz. So maybe I set them a 10 second, 10 question quiz. Uh, and this is all old hat to many people that have been using it. I apologize just in case anyone's new like me to really digging deep into what's possible. Um, it, is, it will show me which question caused the most problems. Uh, and I don't have to feed back individually to all of them, but I will. The result will be the same. I click on that one question. I type in the feedback based on that misconception, which I can see on, on, on their comments because I've got all their comments I can look at. So I can understand what exactly tricked them in that question. And, you know, that's the other thing I've really picked up. I won't go into that, but the Engelman, you know, about how just slightly different wording or slightly different representation suddenly throws everything. Um, so I can really focus on their problem, not what I think might be the problem. And as soon as I do that for one student, so just click on that question, it, it emails, I've seen, it sends that to everyone uh, who made that mistake. Wow, brilliant. So I think that could be a really time effective way of, of doing what I have been doing that's been ineffective in, an, in, a, in a now effective way. The other thing I liked is that you could generate reports. So the other thing is that I think some students, they're not honest with themselves. Uh, um, and not because they don't want to be, but because they're so busy, they just don't think about it. So I've given them you know, that, that uh, feedback. If they just act on it, it'll get better. They don't act on it. I can now print off that report and go, look, there was the feedback. There was the feedback. There was, maybe there's three homework, same thing, same feedback. Because you've got those follow-on questions as well that will they'll focus on that target. So if they've got one question wrong and I say, you really need to focus on that. I give them feedback what to do. Uh, you, I saw in, in your software, you've got that option to give them a follow-on question that's very similar. And I can exactly select what, which one I want. I, I can now really put them in front of the fact they're not acting on my advice. And, and that could be for good reasons. And that, that starts a really good discussion. Um, yeah. And so I'll close it off on that. So I, I, all of those things for assessment feedback, I, I feel a lot more confident now that I can I can do that during this time off. Time will tell. <laughs> that's, that's true. And then the last thing I'd like to say is for the, uh, this year, I've got an amazing class, grade 10. They're like foundation higher tier uh, mix. They, they go from U grade all the way up to uh, uh, trying to get a B grade. Really, cha really challenging to manage. I have a teacher assistant. So for those of you with teacher assistants, my teacher assistant still joins me. Super helpful. Couldn't cope without her. Um, uh, not not as anywhere near as effectively. Um, and but this group, they're brilliant. So I can't I haven't been able to whole class teach because they work different levels if i talking i'm only ever talking addressing one third of the class's needs i would say i have three very distinct 
groups who are, you know, there's a big jump between them. Um, so I, I tend to differentiate by task. And so I, I set all that up on the Google Doc. And they're, they're excellent. They're really self-motivated. So as Jim was saying, what I found in the very first lesson, no one was talking to me. I set the groups up. And then I said, okay, everyone, no one, no one's asking any questions. I said, I know some of these questions are really challenging. <laughs> um, so I, I can't believe, and work solutions, as Rich said, they all had work solutions. So I said, I assume the work solutions are working well, but yeah, any questions? And they'd all formed, what I learned is they all formed their own groups just organically. They'd all formed by a Discord, which I'd not heard of before that for gamers. It's like a WhatsApp, WhatsApp someone, WhatsApp someone, Instagram. They'd all formed like two or three, four partner groups where they were working really busily. And they worked so effectively and the solutions were so helpful for them because it's full work solutions from the numerous websites that offer that. Uh, and again, there's some on, on, on your sites as well and there, there's some on Corbett and et cetera, et cetera. Um, that, that they literally, so we set a time, each group would in 10 minute intervals would come and, and one of them would feed back to me, how's it going, any questions? And I would share my screen and do a kind but they didn't have any questions. Uh, and then they'd tell me what question they were on so that so that I could check they were making progress. And they were making excellent progress. And this happened for like two lessons. And so at the end of the second lesson, I thought, no, really, I need to check this because I think I think some of this is I'm not convinced even with the work solutions. Uh, and they might prove me wrong. That's the case. And so uh, that's why I envisage now using those diagnostic questions. So next week um, at the start of two lessons, they will have a diagnostic quiz based on what we did this coming week and what we'll do during the week so that I can really check do they get it um and so that's assessment all of those i just summarize again the diagnostic questions the kahoot the my maths um adapting things i fully agree like jim I, i'm happy to adapt my syllabus uh, according to um what's the most excellent resource i have available for this type of learning because we're going to do it in the year anyway now and uh, and between those yeah i think there's quite a bit of room but i also agree with what rich was saying that it's probably it is a lot slower Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for your kind words uh, during that, Ollie, as well. I should say um, that's been one of the things that's pleased me most about this terrible situation, the fact that so many companies, and I know you're going to mention at the end what, what, what you're doing yourself with, with your website, have just made things available for free, for, uh, or teachers have created resources for their classes and they've shared them, whether they're videos and stuff. It's, it's been lovely to see the, the, the teaching community uh, getting together in that way. Um, right, final couple of things to, uh, to, to bring things to a close. I'll come to you, Richard, um, uh, first. Um, and this is just kind of I've titled this section how does it feel so um, first I just want you to reflect Richard if that's alright just on the similarities and differences of doing what you've been doing this week versus what you've been doing uh, previously when you can see your kids um, is there anything that you and let's look on the positive side there are obviously lots of difficulties but is there anything you prefer okay so I think we, uh, the main difference is that no, no eye contact uh, that for checking understanding, that's that's the really tough thing. I can't easily gauge whether they're able to follow my explanations, and and that's especially true with a bigger class. I can't circulate around the classroom. Um, and does anything work better? Ooh, I I, I don't know. And I, it's only been a week, and I haven't got a great deal of kind of feedback yet. Um, but I have a sense that video conferencing with the older classes, with the older students, um, they've just got, um, they're able to focus on the screen and perhaps my my voice a little bit more than perhaps in a classroom. But honestly, I've got absolutely no evidence for that yet. Um, but I guess that's, that's the only thing I can think of. 
That's fantastic. Superb. Um, Jim, same question to you. Um, is, is, does anything, are you sensing that anything works, works better the way we're doing it? Haven't been forced to do it now than, than uh, obviously seeing kids face to face. And also let me build an extra question onto that because I think you've touched upon this a little bit. And I think it's, it's a key issue that's not really been discussed over here yet because we haven't experienced it yet. And that's the workload side of things. How, so does anything work better doing it this way? And how does the workload compare in terms of time that you're spending planning, marking and so on and so forth? Okay, yeah, sorry if I repeat anything which said I lost you for a, for a minute or two there. Um, I feel, This feels to me like some kind of lab experiment, do you know what I mean? <laughs> we've, we've taken one major variable away, which is all being in the same place at the same time. Um, and, and I think because that is our norm, it, it, you know, it's, it's extremely hard to get our heads around um, what we're trying to do. So it's if anything looks like it's better, I think it's because we've taken a big variable away. Um, yes. You know, so we might be gaining one advantage because we're missing out on on so many other things that we get from being all in the same place at the same time. But I feel like uh, there's an awful lot of time going into thinking about my lessons. And I, I'd, I'd hate that to come across as uh, I don't normally spend a lot of time <laughs> thinking about my lessons. Um, but I think there's so much that you do in a lesson that you know you can rely on yourself to do in the right time. Whereas in this environment, you have to be uh, prepared for those things in a different way. But that while I've been kind of, if I, I, I want to say managing lessons as opposed to teaching lessons, because I think that's what it's kind of become. I've, I feel like I might actually be providing nicer levels of, of individual attention. Um, because, you know, when you're carrying out an individual uh, attention, uh, conversation with a student in, in a class, you're, you've always got your peripheral vision and your and your hearing listening to the other things that are going on in the room because you've got to be aware of all of it. Whereas in this environment, I, I've got complete focus on that one individual for this two, three minute conversation, however long it's going to last. Uh, I feel like I was, you know, I'm, I'm able to check in very quickly at the beginning of classes with uh, some students that I feel like I need to differentiate for. Um, and because the, the beginning of the lesson perhaps isn't dependent on a certain amount of input for me, then I feel maybe more able to do that. But that's, I think that's definitely not, uh, this is better in this environment. It's, these are sort of silver linings, I think, rather than anything else. That's fascinating, that. And would you say, just, just on a general point, Jim, from your limited experience, are you putting more hours in uh, just generally to, to teaching, planning and so on than, than you were before? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think last yeah. week was really hard. Uh, I was sat up, uh, in front of a computer for, I don't know, 10, 10 11 hours yes. every day last week. And I think there's a lot less variety in my day. You know, normally there'll be a lot more movement, as Ollie's already said. There's, a, there's more breaks, there's more interaction with other people during the breaks. So it's a very kind of, uh, the early, the first week was very, uh, was very hard. Um, but, it, you know, it's like, it's like new things. New things demand more of your attention, don't they? So, so that probably accounts for a lot of that too. But yeah, it, uh, and we're going to have to be careful to manage that. We had a nice message from our, uh, our head of secondary, said just please, please be good to yourselves, look after yourselves, make sure that you're not asking too much of yourselves don't you know don't overload yourselves with things that perhaps could be avoided you know just think carefully about it and so it's nice to know that we've got that support that's fascinating um ollie let, let me come to you on this one um 
I'm interested, and you've touched upon this in terms of the fitness, which again, um, just and Jim's just mentioned it there, the movement and stuff, the, the, or the lack of it, I should say, that we may be doing during during this period of time is something we, we certainly need to, to consider. And then we also have the fact that we as teachers may be looking at screens a lot during the day. We'll come to the students um, uh, in a few minutes on that thing. But the other thing I'm interested in from you, Ollie, is is the mindset here. Is is there anything different uh, that you kind of tell yourself in the morning to face up to a day where you essentially sat on your own in front of a screen trying to do something that's that's possibly alien to you, so it's certainly different. It's it's not how we've taught in the past. I mean, do, do you, is is that a, is that a factor that you consider? Do you need a different mindset? And have, have you found anything as the weeks progressed that have, that have helped you kind of cope with this strange situation better? Um, so my uh, it, what that provokes, what the thoughts that that provokes for me is actually I really look forward to it because we're we're all locked down. Um, like I said, I have to fill out a form to do something and there's only essential things that I can do. Um, otherwise, in France, it's now a 375 euro fine if you're caught out for, wow. for reasons that are not. Yeah, um, yeah, quite. It was 135 to begin with and that, that's gone up quite quickly. Um, I, I don't think it's fixed. I think it slides between that scale. Um, so I, I look forward to having that human contact and I imagine they do too. So actually, I'm really looking forward to my classes to talk. Um, the mindset, like Jim and Rich, exhausting the first three days. I did find it because there's so much new information coming into process to decide what's the best next steps. And I agree with the extra planning. I mean, that weekend, I imagine like many UK teachers this weekend was intense uh, just to make sure everything was in place. Um, and so my my mindset is actually more like joyful. Yes, I'm going to see some people. We're going to chat. Uh, I'm going to hear some voices uh, and, you know, reconnect with those people you have a relationship with. That's really special about teaching, isn't it? You have a relationship. It's really privileged. Um, uh, young people are very honest. Uh, they tell you everything they're thinking. And, that, and that's great. And then uh, I would say yes. So the only thing I do have in my mindset now is to get some physical movement in, to get away from that screen. Um, because I, I, my eyes, Rich was saying he had something the same thing. My eyes were really tired by mm. Thursday, Friday. Um, I did have slight headaches, very manageable, not a problem, but I thought if this carries on, that could increase. Um, and so trying to move on to what activities can I give them? And I will be thinking about a bit more about the asynchronous learning. Uh, what activities can I give them so they can shut their computer or whatever screen they're having to look at and just work for 20 minutes uh, by themselves, even without a group, and then we can then come back and share there are the two mindset differences, exercise and what can I do so they can get off the screen for a bit. And so can I. Yeah. Fa absolutely fascinating that um let me uh let, let me come back to you jim if that's okay again feel free to add to anything that ollie's said but i'm, I'm interested in these early stages what, what have the kids been saying um is what are the what's what's their reaction to this what do they like what do they not like and again is 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 this screen issue something that's that's at the forefront of your mind we're always trying to say to kids get off screens and now we're saying well your only way to learn is essentially to <laughs> right. to do screens so yeah what, what, what's your take on what, what's the, been the kids take on this so far well, I think it's very difficult to sort of do this. All, all I can offer is anecdotes, but I've had a few exchanges with kids and we've we've had some sort of we sent a we sent a survey home to the, the school community this weekend. And it'll be good to see what the, the kind of a broader cross section of feedback is. But I've had all sorts. There seems to be uh, an appreciation for and this is really nice. There seems to be a warm appreciation for the efforts that we've made to keep things uh, going. 
um, and to keep human contact going, whether it's, you know, whether it's messages or videos or or whatever. The fact that we're actually making an effort to 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 just keep these relationships going. I think there's been appreciation for that. Students, um, uh, some technical issues, which is ironically not actually that different to an ordinary day because most most ordinary days are filled with some tech issues in our school um then uh they like seeing people face to face sometimes um they enjoy the ability to work in sort of smaller groups as we've said those kind of breakout calls um and they've enjoyed the variety and, and if i if i can probably i can talk about my, my own kids that i've got at home here as I say, that there's four of them. You know, one of them's in her final year, going going into the IB exams, and she's not feeling really any associated anxiety, which I which I think is a real credit to the effort that that is that to to their willingness to be part of it and the effort that the school and the teachers are making. And I've got another one that says they reckon they get more work done like this than they do when they're at school, which is kind of frightening. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, that's about it, really. Those sort of anecdotal bits have crept in this week. I think the longer this goes on, the, the more important it will be to get sort of more reliable, broader feedback from kids. But th- there's a few ideas. That's fascinating. And Rich, f- final one just on this, and then we'll we'll wrap things up with some lessons learned. Anything you'd like to add, either in terms of your mindset or feedback from the kids that you've picked up on in, in this week? Yeah, I mean... Actually, I've just been really, really enjoying it. It's a, it's a new challenge. It's a, it's a chance to, to learn something new. And, you know, lots of people are telling us that this is the future for education. And, hey, maybe we wouldn't have chosen it this way around, but it's, it's a nice experiment to, to, to try. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the, the lessons with the students. And, you know, they've, they've been really positive too. Um, they say that they like the, the live lessons um you know it's it's going well so far i guess the the thing that i'm i'm concerned about following on really from ollie is about well-being and a lot of students are saying they they're they're, they're suffering from headaches uh but even you know they're able to offer each other practical tips with that in terms of changing the display settings to reduce the blue light and brightness and um getting out and doing some exercise actually our um our PE department have been sending out kind of these exercise routines on videos and uh, you know our whole family have been doing them it's brilliant yeah, right. so, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's really great that's fantastic okay well final question from from each of you and Rich you're going to get the short story because you're going to go last on this so all the good answers may have been may have been taken but I'm going to come to you first um, Ollie and that is just kind of lessons learned. We've, we've got lots of teachers listening to this podcast and there are thousands who will be very uncertain, very nervous about what, what's, what's, what's in store. Um, as you've, as you've um, said yourselves, like many listeners will be parents who will have kids who will be very uncertain um, about what's, what's coming up. So I wonder, just, just to bring things to a close, starting with you, Ollie, um, any, any advice for, for any teachers who are listening to this? What, with the benefit of, uh, albeit your, your limited experience so far, what do you kind of wish you'd known before this week started that, that, that you know now? What, what, what advice might you have for people listening who are about to start this? Um, really, genuinely, listening to this two-hour conversation we've just had, all those details because it just might help me. And maybe the biggest one, and you know, because everyone will pick something out. When I listen to your podcast that you, you do with all those different people, and thanks to all those people that come on your podcast too, a huge thank you to them. Um, I, I'm sure I pick something different out to somebody else who's listening. 
So I think that's one thing is listen through. It could save a lot of time. And uh, choosing what platform, so Zoom, Teams, Hangout, or, or something else, um, uh, I think think about that based on the class you've got. Um, and so a summary of that, we'll pass it to you. That might help to, to put a link to that of the, the, the functionality so you can make that choice. That would be helpful. Yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah, for, for the benefit of listeners, um, anything that, uh, that Ollie, Rich and Jim send across in terms of links, I'll put on the podcast show notes page if, if you want to download that. Um, fantastic answer. Uh, Jim, to, uh, to you, um, anything that springs to mind in terms of advice or anything you wish you'd knew? Yeah, well, no, I think it's probably no different from the normal teaching load, isn't it? It's an optimization game teaching. It always has been. So for me, it's balance. What I the, At the front of my mind, it's balance. I want to balance the feeling that this is actually a, a really big task and a great big weight on my shoulders with the uh, feeling that it's also an opportunity um, that probably a lot of a lot more things are possible than first seem like they are. Um, and, you know, essentially, what what do I want? What's the best thing I can do for a group of students in the time that I've got to give them some 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 really worthwhile mathematical experiences and keep the continuity of what we're, we're going doing? And so, yeah, balance. Don't be too ambitious. But at the same time, uh, don't put barriers in your way, because it seems like lots of things are going to be possible. Fantastic. And to you, Rich, anything that springs to mind there in terms of advice or reflections? Yeah, I mean, some of the things we've mentioned already, but I think, honestly, to plan to do a little bit less than you usually do. Keep your instructions really very, very simple. Um, I would suggest really having just one place where you communicate with students so that's nice and clear for them. And also for for your school to continue to have some sort of uh, forum where you can share experiences and still get together. Uh, we had a short staff meeting um, on Wednesday, and that was just really helpful um, just to share ideas. Um, and, you know, there, there are only certain things that you can control. We've talked about lots of things that we're worried about. Are they working or are they not? And really just concentrate on the things that you can control and embrace it. I, I'm, as I said, I'm really enjoying this challenge. Uh, just take it on. It's great. Fantastic. Superb. And Ollie, let me uh, go over to you for, for, for the final word. Um, tell us a bit about your website and your, your generous offer to, to, to listeners um, about, yeah, well, about what the website's about and, and, and why, why we should check it out. Yeah, so it's, um, I think like many teachers, uh, it's great to be able to share your resources outside of your classroom. And so Jim, Rich and I, um, many years ago now, maybe about 2012, 2013, uh, we started the site and really based on, uh, so everyone's got different experiences. When I was at school, we, uh, um, uh, the school was, was a very good, uh, we, we got very good results. But um, I loved maths because I had a primary teacher that was amazing and, and I really understood it and I understood how it represented the world. And when I did maths, it had deep meaning for me. And then I went and uh, in the first two years of secondary, I think I didn't learn very much. I really didn't. And that was all thanks to that primary teacher who was just exceptional. Um, but then I carried on getting really good results throughout school. But it meant less and less to me. It just became sort of abstract procedures, uh, which I, I was good at. But I lost contact with how it is a model of uh, the real world and, and how it helps us to understand things that human language isn't designed for. Um, so uh, our, our site's really focused on making that connection for students between 
what mass means and we've given it hours and hours of thought which we wouldn't spend if we weren't you know um uh, publicizing it uh and making it paying you know normally it is paying it's 80 euros a year um or whatever that translates um uh, and we wouldn't do that if we hadn't given it loads of thought so you really spend hours just tweaking it all so that students can do those kind of inquiry investigation and with the, the stu- teacher input a lot and you know um uh, to, to explore for themselves the mathematics to make connections themselves and to have a load of fun all of them where our tagline is lessons to look forward to uh, and that's that's what they are they're all those lessons we love because we know they work the students are engaged they're smiling they're having fun they we don't have to do much behavior management because they're really on task because it's entertaining uh, and uh but of course direct instruction comes in that it's a balance and so i wouldn't only do that other times i might do a whole lesson that's direct instruction and so have that balanced diet the aim of for me this site is really to um give those kind of activities I just described as part of that balanced diet alongside everything else. Um, and you're going to ask Rich and Jim, and that's great because just before we met to this, we said it was really interesting. We just said, you know, that question, what do you think? Yeah, what, what do you think? Of, what's the site for? And we all had different answers to it. Um, but I think we all agree with those different perspectives. And so it's completely free just for everyone. It's completely free. Like, like everyone else, we hope it helps. Really, I just really hope it helps. And like, like we said, for anyone on this podcast, it will continue to be completely free while your schools are closed. That's fantastic. And we'll uh, so just just in case people are kind of driving and they um, want to make a quick note of it so they can get straight onto the website. Just say the the, 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 the name of the website one more time for me, Ollie, um, and the web address. Yeah, it's um, so it's called Teach Mathematics and it's teachmathematics.net. And Craig, if you could just ask Jim and Rich quickly what, what they think the site is, because it, it, and we've got really <coughs> short replies to that. I spoke too long now. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no problem. At all. Uh, uh, no problem. Got just, and it, because it's a different angle, which is yeah, equally really helpful. Of course. And for, for the benefit of listeners, there'll be a link to uh, the the the, uh, the site in the show notes and details about how um, listeners to this podcast can continue to access the site free whilst this whilst this crisis comes on. Uh, Jim, yeah, go on. Well, what's your take on the site? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, oh, it's it's been a labour of love, really. We've loved doing it. I've always recognised that teaching has so many facets to it, and and I kind of. The older I get, the, the more willing I am to admit that I'm not the complete teacher, um, that, that we all do what we can. Um, not sure the complete teacher exists. And I feel like my strength has been designing this kind of activity. So that's 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 playing to our strengths, really. That's what it's been for me, I think. Fantastic. And Rich? Um, so, yeah, it's just one place, really, where we wanted to share the kind of activities that we were doing with our students, things that engage them, rich tasks where students really were encouraged to take ownership of their activities. And I guess the the thing that perhaps I bring to the table is my interest in technology. And I've, you know, I just feel I've been in a really privileged position over the last 19 years working in a school where all the students have had access to great technology. And I've seen what works and I've seen really what doesn't work. Um, And, you know, what what I've seen, um, perhaps lots of brilliant virtual manipulatives, but without really great activities behind them. So some of the activities that we've created um, were, that were really posted to kind of fill the gap that we saw in that. 
fantastic superb well all that remains for me to do is is to thank all three of you so again just to paint the scene here this is this is a sunday um well at morning slash afternoon that you, you're giving up your time here we've i promised you 90 minutes we've chatted for over two hours that always happens that always happens on this show but i know for me just on a selfish uh, re- level it's been incredibly useful just learning from your experiences and, and your open and honesty about what works and what hasn't worked and, and loads of factors that i would have never considered particularly in terms of the well-being aspect but also some of the positive sides of things that some things perhaps are easier to teach or better to teach we've got access to more technology and and as as rich well as all three of you have said just to kind of embrace this this is new it's it's a way way of having contact in a in a in a time where we can't really have contact and the kids they're the most important things at the end of the day and this is something that, that they could really thrive upon so to ollie to rich and to jim thank you so much for your time today it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to all of you thanks, thanks for having you us too. thanks Craig. Yeah. Yeah, it's been great